Scott and Liam versus Evil. I heard them the episode I listened to in that remix you put in my starting. <laughs> 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 I replayed it to myself like twenty five minutes. <laughs> Just back to back going, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm gonna do it for now on every time we start I'm gonna remix it. That's just what the episodes will be like, because I start all the time. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I just cut all mine out, but this time I'll keep going. I'm gonna remix. I'm quite nervous. Do you want to juice you yet, Sean? <laughs> uh, welcome to Scott and Liam vs Evil, episode 69. I'm Liam. I'm Scott. And today, for the Sexy 69 episode, we are joined by Sexy Sexy Little Man. The Prince of Banter. The <laughs> Bantersaurus himself. <laughs> the guy with a thousand words. <laughs> Too many sometimes, but hopefully it's the start of the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's Ross Todd. Alright, everybody, how's it going? We should give you a character. Do you want to be Ross Todd or do you want to be someone else? That's too late now. Because we'll Bobby was Black Metal Bobby, because he didn't yeah. speak, so. You could be the Rossinator. Oh, or Rossasaurus Rex. Tyrannosaurus Ross. I don't know why it's a dinosaur story. Young man, I'm not a dinosaur story. Do you enjoy young man? That's so fucking offensive. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about the Scream franchise, 1, 2, 3 and 4, despite mm. what Scott thinks. Doesn't exist. Uh, and I know this Scream 1. I, I want to tell you how I've done my notes, right, because I didn't think I would have time to watch all three movies before today. So I watched 2 and 3, mm-hmm. and I figured that I'd seen 1 enough times that I could riff off you guys' notes and know where I was coming. But this morning I had a wee chance to uh, watch it, so I've got notes for Scream as I watched that. And then, so my notes for Scream 2 might read as if they're the first notes I've written because they are so when I'm, so if that makes sense I'll talk about the first movie and then I'll talk about the second movie as if we've no talk or watch the first I'm, movie that's what it sounds like I'm <laughs> just absolutely amazed that you actually managed to watch a film before you were yeah. recording there you go well done I'm getting professional uh, so Scream was picked because of Ross you made this watch this I franchise it's uh, basically the first horror films that I remember ever watching and watching all the way through like I used to be terrified of all things scary and then when I was like in primary five or something like that, these were all on ITV2. It was like the, it was like the buzz. <laughs> that is horrifying. That is, that is, I'm so old. It was like the buzz, like Friday, like screams on the night, I was going to watch it. And I used to like watch it and then whenever I got too scared, I'd flip it off and then flip it back up two seconds later. And then years later again, I don't know, a couple of years later, I was like, oh age, first year at high school or something like that, I watched them off the first time. I was like, these are actually alright, quite funny and quite clever. <laughs> what age were you in the screen crew at school? In 1986, I was 11. I was 7. So six, I was 6, I was 6. Because this one did kind of miss me, pass me by for uh, like the cinema. I was too young to see it in the cinema. But yeah. I do remember having it. Uh, I think I might have got it from the video shop. I definitely had it on VHS because I specifically remember watching it when I was a bit older, when I had, my mum had moved back to Allenton, so I was about 14, 15, I remember still having VHSs and looking at the screen and thinking, I haven't seen this in a long time, I'm going to set this back on. And the open sequence with Drew Barrymore at that time watching it after a good couple of years, I thought this is actually scary and really, really well done. It's brilliant. I think I came out of the franchise we screamed too, because the boy up the road to me used to just go all the movies and pirate, and he brought it down and I still got it. The pirate version? Yeah, it's the pirate version. It's written 
high, green highlighter, which is probably the worst colour to write a fucking VHS with. The official stab. Hello. Hello. Who is this? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello. Hello, Sydney. One step. Too far. Do you like scary movies? What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act. She's always running up the stairs and she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Hey, what's wrong with me? Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Who did he make the rules? The police are always on track. If they watch Palm Night, they save time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. Watching this is one with the commentary from Wes Craven and one of the and the guy who wrote the screenplay. Um, I only watched that for a short amount of time. I realised that audio commentaries are actually pretty shit. So, uh, but they did say that the screenplay was originally titled "Scary Movie," yeah. which I didn't realise. It's obviously why the title of the parody one, "Scary Movie," is called that. And they were like, when the studio wanted to change it to "Scream," they were like, "That's a crap title." I am so glad that they did change it because if this was called "Scary Movie." It would be awful. It would completely ruin everything, I think. I kind of get it though, because how much a parody on scary movies it is, uh-huh. it, it, it seems like it would be too much a parody to call it uh, a scary movie. Because it's so self aware. Uh, uh, it's taking it to a stupid level if it says, oh, I, I'm yeah. a scary movie. Because uh, there, like, there is, it is obviously very self aware, but there's also, there was a scene right at the start as well. Drew Bangor's scene when she first talks to the guy on the phone when she's still, she's still chatting him up. She says, um, I like the first Nightmare on Elm Street, but the rest of them sucked. Mm-hmm. And he was going to take that out, but he thought I'd be too like too much an egomaniac if I don't admit that my sequel sucked. Yeah. <laughs> the Drew Barrymore scene is probably the most iconic scene and the reason that Scream was so hard hitting because Drew Barrymore was like the fucking biggest star in this. Well, that's they talked about that as well because they managed to get a, a, a big, huge name for the opening scene, and I. Like that would have been a shock to the audience watching it in this uh, cinema because they would expected her to be the lead or have a bigger part in it. But they wanted Drew Barrymore to be the lead. They wanted her to play Neve Campbell's part, but she had other obligations. Um, but she liked the script. Serious, and, serious drug abuse. Yeah, so that was a different film or rehab. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she, wanted, she liked the script and she liked the people making it so much uh, that she wanted to be in it. So 
Do you know Bartley as well in this scene? Uh, in order to keep her emotions high, uh, Wes Draven would show her between takes. Who's Derek? Uh, no, <laughs> um, like describe animal torture and stuff like that. She's such like an animal activist. Apparently, that was like he would describe animal torture too hard between the takes to keep her like emotion high. I, I bet you she fucking loves animal torture. <laughs> <laughs> that is how she got going. They start chatting them up, and then what would you what would you have to be shown to you to keep your emotions high? Depends what you can do with emotions. Like I don't think fear or I like to get like in a heightened state of like fear and panic and that. Like I don't think there's any you could show me. Yeah. Probably that's when I was seven. But <laughs> 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 very possibly. No, there's probably things you could show me. A Serbian film. I but even then I just watched that like oh, it's just I, I watch it now, but the first time I watched it, I was like, fuck that man, that's that's just upsetting. I don't know, I think I'm just thick skin. <laughs> Aye, so the, the this open sequence obviously is a, I don't actually when a stranger calls. I say it obviously, but that was what I, I learned from Wes Craven when I watched the uh, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the audio commentary. But do you know that they never let the actors see the guy who done the voice? Really? He did yeah. actually call them and they, they never never could see his face, so it was creepier. That was as well, like, even in the final scene when they were going through Matthew Lillard and Skeech. <laughs> going for it, you kind of get the difference. He's like, oh, it might be him, or it might have been yeah. him the whole time, but you can also tell that. I never realised it was somebody else done the voice uh, until very recently. Yeah. Because um, we, t- we emailed him and tried to get you to, uh, try to get him to come and do a, a wee blog for this show. Did you? Aye. Uh-huh. Well, that shows who, you, who wants the email from <laughs> Scott and Lee because yeah. not that. He never went back to his, it was his, uh, he was his management company and they said they don't represent him anymore, so that was where that ended, but I thought it'd be pretty cool. Could you like, just Roger just, Jackson, no, he didn't even ask anybody else. I bet you could probably just get anyone and say that they did it. Uh, it's quite an iconic voice. Through a like, kind of voice. No, it's probably an app. He doesn't do it through a voice box, that's his actual voice, but they, those voice changers that I bought one, they don't make you sound unless, like Unless he's severe throat cancer, he has used a voice box somewhere. He's a voice actor. Must be a nightmare to try to spoil his bank or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that wrote it as well, apparently he was a. Uh, he was trying to get his, one of his films called Teaching Miss Tingle. <laughs> Helen Mirren was in it. They eventually got it made, so he was trying to get make that film. And um, so they wanted something different. And he wrote this and outlined the two sequels in three days. Yeah, just to get Teaching Miss Tingle? Just to get Teaching Miss Tingle. And did they make Teaching Miss Tingle? They did Teaching Miss Tingle. Have you seen it? I have never seen Teaching Miss Tingle. Is it a sexy? No, oh. Helen Mirren's in it, so it might be. Might be, she's quite sexy, although don't talk about her boobs because she gets really frosty when you do that. <laughs> Parkinson went out that hard way. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a reference I did not get. <laughs> <laughs> Seen it? Parkinson, there's, a, there's a video online and Parkinson says something like, uh, Do you find the, like your body enhances the, the rose you can get? And she goes, <clears throat> Excuse me. And she just goes, Cold as fuck. Like, which never, is quite, which is fair enough. I, but I've never imagined Parky interviewing someone and be like, oh, that nice tattoo scout. No, he totally was in the 70s, man. It was, oh, it was, everybody was doing it. It was, it was fine, man. We didn't realise. Yeah. Aye, because is that why, just to jump all over the place rather than going through the movies, is that why then Scream 3 is subpar? Because the writer, Scream 3 is the only one he didn't do. Oh, I'm pretty sure I see it. It's, it's Kevin. Is it Kevin Williamson? I think it is. He's the sure. original writer. I'm sure I seen that, his name at the end of the credits last night after I finished watching Scene 3 Half Cut. It said based on characters by him, I whereas mean, yeah. the actual the main script was written by somebody Kruger, which is a very 
appropriate name for mm. the horror. <laughs> would um, so you say that when they wrote the screenplay for Scream One, they wrote the sequel or the or the outline the sequel outline because the sequel. there is actually parts in it that I've got when I was writing my notes for Scream One that it does lead into the. There's a lot of some lines in the in the first one that lead into. Uh, and that's an angle that people think Scream Three would be much better if it had went. If he was still on board, so it wasn't just an outline, uh-huh. it was an actual full script rather than getting someone else in to try and fluff it, yeah. which is then turned into screen three. But, yeah. Can I talk again about the opening scene with Drew Barrymore again? Because just before we move on, see when, see when uh, she gets out of the house and she runs towards her parents' car that's running up and he runs behind her and stabs her, it's, we don't know, well, if you look at the uh, the sequel, there's, there's talk about whether or not they've killed already like i mean i'm assuming that everybody listening to this has already watched scream and knows who the killer killers are plural for the very start it's going to be spoiled if you've not watched the scream franchise by this point or listen yeah. to any of scott <laughs> <laughs> so so as we know that um our boyfriend billy and his friend Stu are the killers in this one and they are because billy's pissed off that his dad had banged sydney's mum uh-huh. And then actually would be. And the second one, Billy killed Sydney's mum. Is that right? Is that? Is that they say, in the first one they say that Billy and Stu killed Sydney's mum, and in the third one they say that the killer in the third one made Billy and Stu do it. Oh yeah. So then he oh. would then be technically the killer. Oh fuck! I actually I forgot about how that ended. Anyway, <laughs> fuck so you'd assume that uh, Billy's killed Billy kills Sydney's mum because he's angry at this situation because his mum left town. Now, you would then assume that they killed Drew Barrymore because we find out that she had pissed off Stu. So you would assume that this is Stu's first kill when he mm-hmm. chases after her because when he holds her and then stabs her in the chest, like the character actually looks down like to the. I mean, I don't know if this is maybe the the, the stunt people working so they know where the you know the dummy knife is supposed to go, but it looks like. Someone who's prepared to kill someone, taking everything in on his first kill, like watching everything, like thinking, oh, I need to stab in the heart, so I'll make sure I get her right in the heart. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. wee things like that. But maybe I'm just digging deep into the, a serial killer's mind on my repeat viewings. <laughs> but I really think he's really properly taking it all in and enjoying yeah. where they've went, where they, they progress into this plan that they're carrying out. Apparently, the, um, the kill was supposed to be a lot more graphic as well. Like, they had to tone it down big time. Did they do that throughout the entire franchise and can see pretty much every kill? It's one of those ones that you see about to happen. And then it's... Uh, and then it's happened, it cuts away, it's yeah. happened, and you just see a lot of blood. You very rarely see proper... Knife like, going in. Yeah, proper penetration. There's, um, <laughs> I thought the, the open scene was pretty brutal, though, was just when our body's hanging from the tree at the end. You only get to get a small, a really small... But that's what I mean, so the, the lingering scenes are more brutal than the actual yeah. violence. Uh-huh. When the subsequent team when they describe it, so they gutted them, disembowelled them and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. it actually was supposed to look like that. And they had to, they were going for like an NC-17 rating, and they had to like blank it in Aye. to get edited, and then back out to get graded, and then put in and out about eight times, I think, before the film actually got right. to the final. So I think that is also maybe because it was Drew Barrymore, and because she was the last MAT, nobody could see her disembowelled hanging for a tree. Possibly. Possibly. Ah, you think, because see when you've done that, it's also done in a way that, eh, uh, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I had a disembolder. Oh my dick. I'm going to say there's a watch in 50 first dates. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you zoom in on her body hanging through the tree, like, I don't, the first time I noticed, I, I watched it, I, I never noticed that our actual insides, our guts are hanging out 
onto the ground. It's like done because it's dark against the dark background. You don't really fully see how graphic mm. it actually is. It's pretty good. And after that scene, you cut to uh, Sydney in her bedroom and she's on a computer. And I was like, fucking 1996, man. Windows really changed the world, didn't it? That came out. Do you remember computers before Windows? I had one in my room. I had one in my room. Did you have it for this, like retro nostalgic purposes or because? You were actually at the age you could have it at that but time. I don't know, man, it was Windows 98 I had back in the day. You talk pre Windows. Pre Windows, actually, Windows. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I think, to be honest, I think I started with Windows 95. My dad did a computer when he went kind of back to uni. Um, it was one of those kind of black backgrounds with green green words, letters that came out. And it was like, it was, that was always. And I don't know how you got to the typing up part and how you printed it. I don't know how you managed to get all this to work without Windows. The first proper computer, other than the BBC ones at school that I used. It was um, it was Windows, so I don't know how we used to use these fucking computers. We had to actually type the code in on that. I don't know how anybody uses Windows. Nah. Fucking Mac, man. Once you go Mac, you don't go back. Throwing <laughs> <laughs> some shade at the Windows. So, Billy comes and sneaks into Sydney's room because uh, he's desperate for to shag her, um, but she's not for it. Uh, but. So she screams when he comes jumping in the window like a creepy bastard and then her dad comes to the door and tries to get in and she's got this kind of weird which opens the closet, it locks the door and stuff. But it's literally like, it goes like this. Hey, I heard screaming and she goes, uh, can you knock? I was like, he did. <laughs> and then just chapped the door. It's been yeah. two years. He said, they've been here for two years. Sydney and Billy. Billy. Before. I like... Uh, I'll probably make you go a bit. Uh, it is a long time, man. See when she stops the kissing and he goes, you see what you do to me? He's obviously talking about his boner. Aye, play balls. And then she flashes her tits at him, but we don't get to see them, so that was uh, quite rubbish, if you ask me. Uh, I was convinced that we would get to see them when I was rewatching. I was like, oh, I had maybe only seen this on TV, and then they cut it for the telly. No, you don't get to see them. I don't actually think there's any boobs in this movie whatsoever, and any of them. I don't know. Not Rose McGowan's nipples. They're ever present. <laughs> well, you get to see you get to see Rose we'll McGowan. Off Rose McGowan you get to see Rose McGowan in the next scene. And I'm asking, is this the film that Harvey Weinstein raped her over? Oh like, Because it's a Miramax film. Okay. And what age was she in this? Old enough to be raped off Harvey Weinstein. But what was she in before this? This is a big first role, is it not? And then it was no. then it was charmed. I don't think it was. Because she said fuck you movies and went to, went to um, TV. No, I think she's, I think she would, at this point, I think she was still a bit like an American sweetheart. Was she not in like 90210 or some I, shit like that? I have no idea, but I think, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the one she had to suck Halloween scenes to get in this movie. She was on BBC last night where I shaved head. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, she's raging. She wants to batter every single person with <laughs> no. penis, which is fine because... Because somebody yeah, raped her. Definitely. Totally understand it. Yeah. Didn't even recognise it first with the garage door around about her. The phone is in this movie. The phone is the principal. He's quite touchy. He was touching, he touched Sydney's chin when she goes into the office and that. That was actually just the phone, so that wasn't anything to do with the principal. But is, is that to set him up as a red hair? Yeah, there's a lot of that in yeah, this. Yeah, there's films of red hair. There's a bit when um, Dewey is with the police chief and the police chief throws out a cigarette and Dewey stands on it and he's kind of got a close up of the boot. And then in the next scene, it's the boot coming down for the oh, stall. Yeah. And it's to try and make you think those two uh, they, are the they, same. they really do do everybody. Don't get me started on Dewey. David Arquette's acting is fucking appalling. It's every, every single movie. And I've got, I've now got a theory as to why it is. And it took me to the fourth movie. But he's so horrible at all of it because he's actually the killer. He's been killing the whole time. But... 
He's not. Yes, he'll come out and see if they ever made the same five if Wes Craven hadn't died. Then he was the killer. He's just been taking away one for one. Right. He waits for the murder to go off, he gets one or two. He, he gets a couple. Satisfies him. Really? He's a celebrity because he's always wounded. He's always get sacrifice, uh, sacrificial. Uh, what do you call the wounds? Superficial. Superficial wounds. They never kill him. He's obsessed with Sydney. But he gets a severed nerve. Severed nerve. Fuck all. So he's, he's, in, he's in the Gammy one that they think, oh, he's Gammy because of the killings. I can't see him without thinking of Deputy Duffy. See, because the parody of Scream movie is so, like, scene for scene for this one. Like, see, even the whole scene where uh, she stays at Tatum's house and, uh, and they need to chop up dude because things. I just couldn't. <laughs> I told you not to disturb me when I'm cleaning my room. <laughs> He's even holding the gun funny in this. <laughs> when he comes out with the gun, he's like, Lamp Rusty yeah. holding the gun. But I think oh, Doofy's performance was way better than David Arquette's in every single one of these movies. Well, I think that, did he meet Courtney Cox in this movie and then they started banging? Uh, and then she probably just convinced them, no, keep him in a job, please. <laughs> but I don't think Courtney Cox had enough pull that... In the you, 80s? You, no, but know that you would actually keep that pile of shit in the movie. I don't know, my... The thing about him is, he, I think he gets a good line in with Courtney Cox when she says, I do the best with the demographic between males 18 to 24, and he says, I'm 25, but I was 24 for a whole year. And that makes me realise how young these people are supposed to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, right, let's uh, jump back a bit here because we're missing a good scene where um, we meet our kind of Scooby gang uh, and they're sitting outside in the school kind of playground or whatever you call it, the courtyard, and uh, so we need to get all the jokes. Uh, yeah, you better live her alone. Get it? And, uh, that's actually a really good impression. <laughs> that's because <laughs> yeah. you know, I was just about to go do my uh, Jimmy Kennedy impression. It's got to be shite. <laughs> Get me something. Did you really put her liver on the mailbox next to your plant? See my pancreas? <laughs> Fucked up. Um, uh, it wasn't bad. Matthew Lillard blew out the water. <laughs> and see when you see him at conventions, because he was at Edinburgh not that long ago, and he looks old as fuck as well. He is old as fuck. Yeah, well, they were a bit what? Mid twenties to nearly thirty in this in this movie already, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, right. Oh Neve Campbell's still a babe. Yeah, she had got her grants from Glasgow somewhere, Paisley. Really? Yeah. Yeah, fine She came over once it's in the record. Um <laughs> how big must you be if it, the actual national newspaper put it in that you have visited your grant? <laughs> <laughs> so where are we? I'm up, my notes I'm up to the scene where she uh, gets the call and she goes out on the porch. That's where I'm at, if you're happy over there. She's quite ballsy. She thinks it's Randy to begin with, but then she realises it's not. So she's like, he's like, I'm on your porch. And she's like, oh, are you the dickhead right then? And she goes to the porch. She's like, right, you're on. But never me. But you're not me. I'm the TV at this point, man. I think she's meant to play the kind of ballsy character, but so like, all guys and women can kind of empathise with her. Because she's not doing the stupid thing that, oh, she's looking down hiding behind it. She's actually going and facing it. The way the everyday in the cinema that's shouting at the screen would be doing. You couldn't fucking kick over the balls. Yeah. You get the feeling that she's kind of feisty enough that she could probably. Like, in all the scenes where the killer's trying to get her, she gives him a good go. Aye. It's one thing that I do notice in this one as well. Some of the, the times when they do fight back at Ghostface, they, they, it's almost kind of slapstick. Like when Drabanor punches him with a phone or he gets hit with the fridge door. None of these things are going to hurt you in the way that they act out as if they hurt you. But, you know, it is what it is. But they do still put some of the scenes in that people complain and argue about, like such as why you're upstairs. Well, it's because the door's locked and you don't have time to foot about yeah. the lock. You can watch it in the cinema and think, well, I'm just unlock that door and run out. Or I'm just turn around and roundhouse kick him with the balls. And you're like, well, why do you really? Because this guy is actually trying to kill you. Like, 
This isn't, you know, you're not just arguing with something. This guy is trying to put a knife into your body. After watching Demon Wind, I would roundhouse kick anything. <laughs> anything and anyone. Demon Wind. Kind of slapstick, but it all as well. That's kind of like, because they are all teenagers. Mm-hmm. Like, you get the vibe that definite chance that everybody's pretty stumbly. Yeah. And, or also they're stumbly because, well, they're stumbly in the later movies because it's David Arquette. Because yeah. <laughs> he's got a gammy leg. He's a seven nerve, right? See he's if, like, um, he's a killer. See if you were trying to get into her room and she does that closet door thing. You could open it. Uh, you just shut the main door, close the bit and push the inside door closed. So you got to imagine that's definitely Stuart that bit then because Billy would know that. Because he was in the room the last time she did that. Ah, that's a good idea. That's very right. well, good point. In fact, I can say Billy appears at the right. well, Every time I watch this, I try to figure out, like, at what point. Well, we'll know because, is it not that, because who's got the alibi then? Because if they're both there, you would assume that that was Billy because that's why he's so quick to get in the window after he runs away. I mean, you've got to be really fucking quick to get down the stairs, got your clothes off, get out that locked door and then get up there. But that's the thing though, because you've got to leave your clothes in you. If you were Stu, you would take the clothes with you. But Billy leaves it behind because... We get the red hair when she goes down the stairs to open the door. Right enough. Everybody's favourite characters hold the mask. Which, that scene when... <laughs> look, at, look at the acting! We should actually just point out the scream is playing in the background just there when we record this. Uh, that scene where he's holding the mask, I <laughs> shot myself on my first watch at that bit when she opened the door and the, the mask there. Probably shot myself, but uh, I do. He's just... He's something else, isn't he? But I mean, he's supposed to be a, he's supposed to be a bit daft because he's meant to be... A, he's only meant to be 25 years old. He's already just obviously left high school but straight into being the but in the post sheriff, and it's sheriff, yeah. yeah, and it's meant to be like small town USA, really. Right, so what about Scream Four when he's made to be like forty odds and he still can't act? <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's basically his, his acting skills that, that or lack thereof. Or lack thereof, yeah. Um, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's another thing in this movie that makes you feel old because uh, it's like the fact that Billy's got a cell phone is creepy, whereas now it's be like everybody's got a phone. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was unusual for somebody yeah. to have a cell phone in 1996. It was unusual for somebody to have a cell phone in America because they just they tried to make people's work for fucking ages. Clone, cloning a cell phone as well. Yeah. It seems to be like a, a thing that's present in all of these films. Like, how do you, how do you even do that? Like, is that like copying a SIM card? I honestly have no idea. I think it, it, must, it must be. It must, it must be something that's that made up for this movie, surely. I don't think it exists. Nah, it must be. I think, I think it's just copying a SIM card, but you can get any T-Mobile and go, and your SIM card. Yeah. Can you duplicate that? And put it back in the phone and you've got their number and you can be phoning folk. Or like, download free porn. <laughs> <laughs> Paid for porn that you're not paying for. You're going to watch it 8 bit in one of the old phones. <laughs> like Snake. <laughs> oh, get the tits on that. <laughs> so I believe this is the first time that we meet Gail Weathers, who's played by Courtney Cox, who is actually quite a good uh, character in these movies, I think. She plays a bitch and she plays a well. Scrappy. So yeah, uh, and also it's completely different from Monica Geller from Friends, which yeah. everybody knows her from. It's a completely different. The people will say, "Oh, Jennifer Aniston just plays the same person in every movie." Courtney Cox just comes something completely different in screen. It also goes on that there's a lot of red hands in this movie, and I think it does it ex- expertly well. I think it's yeah. really, really written really well. Yeah, it's just like it's a live action Scooby Doo, isn't it? Like it's giving you all the clues, it's putting you off. Yes, yeah. doing the is it the janitor? Is it the boatman? So after the killers try and get Sydney in her room, she goes and stays over at Tatum's house. And this is where she's lying in just a t-shirt, which is that Tatum? Rosemary. Is that her name? Yeah. 
Yeah, so Sid's just lying about in just a t-shirt, and I think that's always a sexy look for a female. She's gonna go on. <laughs> so then Tatum's mum comes in and says, Oh Sydney, there's a phone call for you. Oh, who is it? My dad? I don't know who it is. Why would you pass on that phone call? Because this is the, the the fucking MO of the killers owning them. Why the fuck would you pass on that phone call? Why didn't they like, just stop answering the phone? Then the killer can uh, like work in and out and that bit. Yeah. That would have been good. Just need to answer your phone. Yeah. answer the phone. It's like Joyce, just don't get the They can't even say, no, it's not like Joyce don't go in the water. <laughs> it's not like that at all because eventually you need to go in the water. You can't just avoid all water forever. Yeah. You can't just avoid all the phones. <laughs> I you can. No, you can. I you can. No, you can't, right. You can. In the 90s, you definitely can because it's a verity that you've actually got a phone. So just don't answer it. Then nobody can be like, oh, come and meet us. Oh, I thought you phoned on or another. Oh my god, it's a killer. Never answered the phone. You never went out the house. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, so it turns out the killer is phoning her at Tatum's house and she shakes herself. And uh, and this is this gives Billy the alibi by saying that, well, Billy's in the police station, but the killer's still phoning somebody, so it can be Billy that's the killer. So, oh my god, what's happening? And at this part, I don't think my first watch, I don't know if it's been done before, but it's certainly not been done in anything that I'd watched before that I didn't even think there could be two of them. It's so simple. Yeah, yeah. This is the, the double colour thing, is one of the big things you see all the time when people talk about the screen is that it's, you're too busy focusing on who is it, right. it's him, it's on, mm-hmm. you never think it's those two. Yeah, and the fact that both of them are red herrings at certain different points in the movie, they cancel each other out mm-hmm. because you think, oh well it can't be him because of him now, or it can't be him because of him now, but without thinking, oh it's actually both of them. Um, as soon as anyone becomes a red heron, you meet, I think Dewey's also been a red heron. <laughs> you know, I know a lot of people are. Dewey's, also, not, Dewey's not a red heron, because that would imply that Dewey wasn't a killer. <laughs> Dewey, Dewey definitely was. Dewey runs out into the hot uh, corner picks up the phone, and I've got, I can't remember how he says it. That's what she called Dewey actually on this episode. Lady Ross killer. the lady killer. <laughs> Dewey comes running out and takes the phone, and he just goes, hello. <laughs> so, but it's the best. It's the best acting I've ever heard. But here we go to one of the best things about Scream in the next scene, Nick Cave. The- Do you know, I was only watching it back for this episode and now that I'm a big Nick Cave fan, I was like, that's what I know that song. Yeah. I've always thought, even though it was in Peter Blinders, I was like, yeah, I've known that song for years, where is it from? And watching it back for this, I was like, oh fuck, it's Scream. Oh, it's Scream 2. Oh fuck, it's Scream 3. <laughs> they used it in x as well, but Scream, that, that song makes Scream. Yeah. This is, that's it's in every film about three times. Yeah. Uh, no wonder it's a fucking good Do you want to know what else was in, in Scream quite a lot uh, between, I think it was mainly in the second one, Dewey's theme. And you might not even know it, I realise you listen to it, but it's actually such a fucking cracking bit, bit of music. And uh, whoever wrote it, I can't I think it's Marco Beltrami or something his name is, and he also wrote uh, the tune for Broken Arrow with John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, and it's exactly the same as Dewey's theme, just with instruments changed a bit a bit, but Dewey's theme is fucking cracking, and we'll find it, and we'll put it in this episode somewhere if we've not already used it, because we'll probably use Nick Cave at the end, but anyway. <laughs> right, so this is the scene where she goes into the toilet, right? Yeah. And this scene annoys the fucking me. This is probably the only scene that I don't like, and it's when the two annoying bitches come out, and she's like, um, Oh, she's and this is what the fuck is a bubble butt boyfriend? This is what she says that she's got a bubble butt boyfriend. Billy is like, what the hell's a bubble butt? And why does Billy have one? <laughs> is it not? Is it not a Nicki Minaj song? I thought it was those apple bottom jeans thing. So it's like a big butt. So Billy's got a big butt. Like, uh, is it not a song? Or is it bubble butt 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 bubble 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 butt? What is that? It sounds like YouTube though, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds like a white fart to me. I don't. That just sounds mean. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's the scene where she's like. Um, it should when she says since the killer. Did uh, you get to the bottom? And what what is a bubble butt? No. 
Yeah, so uh, she's like, uh, and she realizes that it would you say suicide is out and homicides are healthier expression in the substance like fuck off. But they also call it, they call Sydney's mum a slapper and say that she deserves to be killed and stuff, and Sydney's listening to this, which is pretty harsh. But when they leave, we find that the killer's actually in the stall, and I think this is when they, about, you get to close up in the boots that you were saying, yeah. this is the second ago, but you, they do a mimic of Dewey's boots, so it's again another red term. But how did the killer know that she would go into that bathroom, and then how did she know that, how did the killer know that she would also be alone in the bathroom? This is one as well because you know it's like in an ice cream man. I didn't get into the girl's bathroom much. So if you're Stu or Billy, you snuck into the girl's bathroom, yeah. dressed up as a killer, waited, found the pristine opportunity to get her. She escapes. How do you walk out of that bathroom? Yeah. How what? do you? Yeah. How do you walk out of that bathroom? You walk out dressed as the cop that you are because it was actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually got. I've actually got a theory about this, right? Sorry, so all this. Um, <laughs> Oh, and she also, they also the two annoying lasses before they leave, uh, one of them says, where do you get this shit? And she goes, Ricky Lake. And that's that's one for the, the, the current generation doesn't get. I, I don't know, did you get that? Do you know what that is? I know from the song. <laughs> <laughs> she was like Oprah, wasn't she? She was like Jeremy Kyle uh, before. She was the Caucasian Oprah. Yeah. Um, you can always go on Ricky Lake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, what I noticed, right, see when uh, she's in, so she looks down, uh, I think she looks under the, the stalls and there's nothing there the first time. Then she hears uh, like a whisper, but it's the air vent. Uh-huh. And then I was, I kind of turned away and I wasn't paying full attention to the screen. And then the whisper happens again, but it's you hear somebody whispering Sydney. And it's the first time I've ever heard it, and it's Billy's voice. And it's not like with the voice changer, it's really Billy going, Sydney. And it's so cool because that, that. And it totally is. And it's like, because that's just something that you probably subconsciously hear in your first viewing. You might not even hear the whisper, but it's definitely Billy that's in the, in the toilet that time in the school. That's what I think, anyway. One of the actually, and she, since she runs out of the toilet, she kind of runs out screaming. The, she runs by an actress, and it's probably just an extra, and I didn't look at any, and I probably should have, but I swear, I swear it's uh, Billy's mum for the second one, or is it Stu's mum who's the killer? Hey, Billy's mum. Billy's mum. I swear it's her, uh-huh. but it probably definitely isn't. Are you, right. telling, are you telling us that you've turned up here without doing any research? <laughs> I've got notes. Who do you think you're, Scott? I've got notes. For a second, I actually thought the woman who played Drew Barrymore's mum was Billy's mum from the second one because I was like, that's the exact same actress as well, but it wasn't. Uh, it, it's the woman from Roseanne, which is current. Who's Billy's mum? It's been cancelled. Yeah. Sheldon's mum. Yeah, yeah. Sheldon's, Sheldon's mum. Right, so the next scene we kind of rush to, if anybody's, if I'm jumping too far ahead, let me know, but I am getting to when they kill the Fonz, and obviously he's done his whole bit where he um, chastises the two boys uh, for dressing up and saying it's not funny, it's not cool because people have actually died and arrested. And then he uh, puts the mask on himself and goes, ah, <laughs> <laughs> why did they kill him? That was kind of a, one of those red arms as well that just seemed pointless. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> aye, there was no need to kill. Aye. It serves as a plot point later on to, to get all the drunk kids out of the party. Yeah. But, there's no, in terms of an actual physical true life story, there's no need for them to kill them. Unless they're just pissed off at them, but they don't have any scenes where they never gave the killers away if you knew that they maybe told them. That's anyone. probably one of Dewey's first kills. <laughs> See all the kills in the movies that don't actually add anything to the story? That's Dewey just getting out. Just getting out. 
I think I mean, not. I'd do it. I'd do it. I, yeah, you are arguing it, but I don't think that it's. Uh, I don't think that it's. It's not canon for me. How do you know? Because it's not. So why was why was the principal killed? Because obviously he's obviously pissed off uh, Stu or Billy at some point. Just being a high school principal and then being psychotic maniacs anyway. Or maybe the police are raging that he's like touching the touching the pupils. Yeah, he was getting. As soon as Sydney walks out the office, about he puts his hand yeah, under his chin. So touchy, man. Dewey's obsessed with Sydney. Sydney's like, ah, that principal's a bit creepy. Dewey takes the principal <laughs> out. He goes down to Billy and Stu. It wasn't the name, but at that point, they're not going to argue and say, oh, by the way, we killed all the day people, but we never killed the principal. It was Dewey. We, uh, so this is when somebody's obviously winding up the phones before he gets killed and he's like, oh, you little shits and sticks his head out in the jar and he's like, ah, what? He's like, oh, not you, Fred. And he's just like Freddy Krueger. Uh, annoyed to yeah. the voice papers and movies, obviously. And then in the next scene, Tatum says, uh, oh, it's like something out of a Wes Carpenter movie. Did you get that? So then the next scene, we're in the video store. Such good memories for video store. Do you remember video store? Uh, Do you remember the video shops? Oh, man. So good. Did they sell videos at that point, or was it still getting all DVDs? Yeah, probably DVDs mainly, but I had a few videos. I remember getting to America via a DVD show, and it was probably like, the best experience of my life. I went to the uh, American cinema, and I was fucking wetting myself at the puppet sex scene. I just uh, did not yeah. see it coming, and it was just so fucking right to all the different positions. We should actually stop consummating reference to how young you are, because we're saying <laughs> like we're grooming you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know, I, so I did, how does it feel now you have something younger on you on the show, eh? It's fine, because I'm still hit and cool. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I'm girl, the other one. Fuck it, guys. We're out here. So this is the scene where uh, Randy gets his, uh, his chat, and he says about how Billy's the prime suspect. He's like, oh, would you be standing over there in the horror section if you're the, if you're the prime suspect? And Stu's like, oh, I don't know, I don't think you'd be killing anybody in that shit. And, um, this is when he puts on his fancy Sydney, and then Billy comes up right at the back and so sinister and so creepy and calls Randy a suspect who says that's true. Everybody's a suspect. He shouts it in fact, didn't he? Yeah. Just before Billy comes up, everybody's a suspect. There's always some bullshit reason to kill your girlfriend. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I love every scene with Randy in it, man. Oh, yes. I think he's he's yes. probably my favourite character. Because this was the first kind of film I ever seen, like it was horror genre kind of thing. I took all these rules and I followed them in every film I seen after that. <laughs> so like I we check checklist, you know what I mean? I was like, that was like when I came out, I was like, oh well, it's probably blah blah because Randy said three years ago. Because <laughs> Randy said. <laughs> what would Randy do? So again, this is that's again putting up your red hands because they they physically say people are suspects, and that makes you think, well, who is it? Because you don't. Maybe it's not for everybody, but for me, if I'm watching movies, I don't tend to try and detective it and figure out who it is as I'm watching it. Maybe if it's obvious, then I'll say, oh, that's who it is, or whatever. But I don't have to try, try and work it out. But, half the time you're asleep and no fucking watching it anyway. <laughs> but but when they when the characters actually think about it themselves and say it out loud, well, he's a suspect because of this, or you're a suspect because of that. You know, it, and it makes you think about it, it makes you see it that that's mm. actually what the movie's physically doing. See when you first watched Scream, did it make you go back and watch all the old like the old franchise stuff for the eighties and stuff? If Scream was the first kind of horror movie you watched? Is it, it, I mainly just Googled it to be fair, because I was like Oh, fuck, I forgot Google was. <laughs> Google was I was thing. like, what, what, what is this? Oh, what is all this? Then Google it, and then looked at the pictures and went, oh, that's a bit scary. I've never that a couple of years yet. <laughs> I, because it did it with me one second eventually, because I was the same as you, I was shit for things. And then my dad made me watch The Exorcist at like 8, which was just when Scream, uh, Scream came out. Sorry, Scream 2. 
and was putting the video on. Watching bits of it, turn it off, watching bits of it, turn it off, and then eventually watch the full thing and loved it. So all the references, I was like, I want, who is Jason Voorhees? Who is? And maybe go back and then watch all Friday the 13th, so all Halloween's. It probably then boils down to Scream then being why I got into horror. A lot of people say that it was, there was a lot of horrors at that time with undirected video and stuff like that, but it is kind of, they equate Scream film for the revitalization of horror. Yeah, it's kind of horror in the house. Yeah. Shook up the mould, broke mould. It's kind of like laid down the foundation for um, Cameron in the Woods as well, that kind of self-revenging meta kind of horror. Yeah, I, I really think it's fantastic. We get to... There's a good scene coming up after the video store. I think we're talked we've talked about the curfew already, and we've talked about Stu's party. He's telling everybody to come to a curfew party because uh, they cancel school. I think um, the next <laughs> scene is Tatum and Sydney walking down the street with Dewey. He's like, "It's very quiet," and uh, Sydney says, "Oh, it's like the town that dreaded sundown." He's catch that. Yeah. Um, and I just thought about a good drinking game. Drink every time they mention a horror movie and scream. You would be fucking wrecked. If it. you weren't up yet. Every single one. If you want it, you can drink to them. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. So, Lewis, I would say Dr. Lewis. Uh, right, so that's even, even if you look into the, the extra parts that's in the movie, and just before we pause the movie off the screen, Tatum's driving a red mini, which is The Shining, right there. Yeah. You've got loads of references all the way through it, but even just in the, the lines they say, like they actually physically name the movies <laughs> as it goes, like there's, there's loads in uh, But So this is when they talk about that they're going to make a movie about it. And uh, Sid says, I deployed cast Tori Spelling, play me, which is obviously leads into Tori Spelling actually playing them in the uh-huh. sequel when they do make a movie about this uh, happened because of Gay Weathers' book. But what movie is it that they say, oh, they're probably getting Jennifer Love huge tits to play me? Is that in Sweet Scary Movie? Is that the parody? I think that's a scary movie. Because yeah. I, I just always say Jennifer Love's huge tits whenever, they're not just like all the time, but whenever <laughs> I think of this movie, it's always Jennifer Love's huge tits. And I couldn't remember, and I thought it was in screen, but then she didn't see it, and I was like, oh, it's <laughs> Seen after this as well when they're in the grocery store, they're getting the stuff for the party uh-huh. and she was them. And uh, Cindy says the term sexually anorexic. I was like, that would not fly today. <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> like, I was watching the film. I was like, Jesus Christ! That's actually, two bad things together. <laughs> I've actually got that as a, as a quote here. It's like, how many guys have put up with a girlfriend that's sexually anorexic? And I went, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we move on to the party next, and I think it's an excellent kind of sequence. Uh, I call it a scene, but it's not a scene because it's a, it goes on from it's like a third act. Um, it is it's an excellent third act. It's obviously where the whole combination of the, the killers and the, the the action happens. Not to mention the fact that it's the house is fantastic, great looking farmhouse, and it's also it's not really became iconic as like Michael Myers' house or the Amityville house, but it totally could and maybe it should, and um, because it's fucking Belton, I love to live in it. I remember watching this when I was younger and forced myself to keep it on because this was so good, this bit. Right. I love this bit. Gail sneaking in the camera and then watching it and you realise it's in the delay. Yeah. And everything. Yeah, it's just, just, just brilliant. But also, I about when she sneaks the camera in, you would see that big fucking 90s camera sitting on top of the telly, which you know It's fucking huge, man. Is wi- does Wi-Fi exist there as well? <laughs> no. How is that camera going to be? Is there a cable? She's like holding the window and there's a cable right in the back. Straight in the van across the gas. So this is when we get to Tatum's death and you get to see her uh, nipply boobs. Um, and I'm sure that's in the parody. As opposed to non-nipply boobs? Yeah, well, I, I'm sure it's in the parody, is it not? Somebody plays out and it's, she gets stuck because of her boobs rather than just getting stuck. Uh, yeah. uh, but my biggest concern with that scene is that that 
Cavendish Door would not be able to pull her up. They kind of point that out on the fourth one. Right. When she's crawling out and they bring the door down, it kind of hits her and goes back up because mm-hmm. that's the way they would be installed. Yeah. Is that it's just a wee kind of, we know what they actually work in. Right. But there was also three doors in the garage. Not unless there was like one door and there's the one she tries to crawl out and there's one on the other side of it. So it was like a big garage with three doors that she could have used. Yeah. And like to be fair, those guys' doors aren't really going to be that thick. See if you just ran it at full force, you'd probably went right through it. I don't think you'd right through it. I think you would either bent it all, but it's still connected to the framework and that's all at the house. I accidentally I think you could I think you could have. I accidentally ran into one of them in my car. <laughs> I left the handbrake off and I was un- Seatbelt in my calzone. <laughs> and it rolled out of my garage door. You're unseatbelting your calzone. Safety bar, I'm in the calzone, you know. <laughs> Unseatbelted my calzone and my car rolled out of the garage door. I did go through it. It did not go through it. <laughs> How big was the calzone that you had to seatbelt into your car? It wasn't that big, I just wanted it to be safe. <laughs> what was in it? Keep having it. Nice. Right, so, aye, so Tatum's dies in a fucking so annoying way and it just wouldn't happen that way, but anyway. They was a bit slapstick back and forth with the guy, the, the fridge door, and then she throws the bottles at him, they just explode. Clearly, sugar glasses just wouldn't happen in real life. But, but it's the movie magic. <laughs> I'm convinced. It's so, the movie magic. <laughs> this is um, when, this is just before Randy's rules, but it's when the curfew hits. So, uh-huh. Stu is sending half the party home because people still stay, but half of them leave. Maybe it's the goody two shoes that want you to go home for curfew that decide to leave at this point. But is the curfew not already on? And that's why they're having a party. This, like, well, just... this always confused me, the timing, because half the people leave at the end of the party, but half the people stay. But he's like at the door as if this is time for the party to leave, but there's loads of people staying. So maybe, I don't know, I don't know, because anytime I went to an 80, it was just fucking everybody just stayed yeah, for like a day and a half. just a Scottish thing that <laughs> <laughs> everybody stays for a better end. Even when the owner of the house wants you to leave, yeah. you stay. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Also, Stu's wearing like a Hugh Hefner yeah. uh, red velvet jacket in this. I think it's pretty. So bald. Yeah, it's so good. It's so bald. You'd well pull it off. It's a cool one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, th- this is, um, so he stands at the door, uh, everybody's leaving, and then Sydney gets to the door. I think she's about to leave or not, but then Billy comes to the door and goes, Rah! Why the fuck would you come to the door like that? Why would you just walk in like a normal person? Does it work though? Ross, were you scared? Go, <laughs> <laughs> man. <laughs> but uh, also, right, killers aside, Stu is totally setting up a situation where uh, Billy pressures Sid into sex or rape. Good, good, yeah. Because he's like, well, you can use my <laughs> <laughs> No, good, good, good for the rape. That good, good That's for the underlining of the. <laughs> That's you easing your way in now. <laughs> he's like, I, I use, my, use my parents' bedroom. But they, they do go up and then they buy. So it's actually then quite a quite a negative message a horrible experience for the first time basically if you keep if you if you keep on your girlfriend for two years to put out eventually your pal will give you a room and she'll she'll put out it's quite a bad message I thought socks on five minutes was bad (laughs) (laughs) but Um, so I think at the same time as this is happening Randy's downstairs giving the rules to the horror movies and uh, one of the ones he says you can't have sex and they all go boo 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 because they'll let me bang because they're high school students but or humans Sydney has <laughs> just yeah Sydney has just had sex but she lives so she breaks his rule I think that's again to do with the self-referential nature of the yeah. already goes but, yeah 
flips on his head kind of thing but also if you look at it from a different point of view Billy has just had sex and he dies but Billy's a killer doesn't matter you have sex you die so he's he's, he's 50-50 by that rule uh, by the sex that we see um, he also says one of the best lines in the movie is uh, don't ever say you'll be right back because you won't be right back and then Snoop is up I'll be right back that's Probably like and I ripped the picture down and cried with memories. I was like, oh, is that what you're doing? <laughs> I just thought, he's fucking weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was pretty drunk. <laughs> but Stu only done it, though, because Stu's the killer. So he can get away with saying I'll be right back. Yeah. Away, obviously, then does die, but yeah. he can get away with it. So, so he obviously goes to the. So nobody questions. Somebody did ask her to take him when he says, oh, she probably bailed on me because she was annoyed or something, but he's obviously goes to the garage and. He, everybody leaves the house, right? The garage doors are in the front of the house. How does nobody see How that? How does nobody see that body hanging there? To be fair, the garage doors are to the right and everyone leaves and goes to the left. Because I thought that's a bit still. <laughs> smoke, there was smoke coming Yeah, there. It was a lit- I don't know, man. Because the whole time they've been doing that, Dewey's been clearing the garage. <laughs> <laughs> clearing the body, then it's fine. Well, here's here's probably your favourite scenes, and this is when they get some sinister music to fully red hair and Dewey up. Is when he comes to get away with his and says, do you want to, there's, there's a car being found in the woods down the, this dirt road, do you want to come and have a look at it with me? And Gil Wells goes, yeah, of course I do. And then he goes, no, I think we'll walk. And he goes, <laughs> This is a nice night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he uh, purposely rolls into the woods and tries to bang her against the road. I think the good thing about Dewey, or if it's after it's acting, is that at no point do you actually believe that he is the killer. See, even though that we read here. Yeah. He's still such a kind of pathetic character that you don't believe yeah. that it may actually be him. Which is why I think it is him. I was resonating a lot with Dewey then, so this is a sort of crippling you right now. <laughs> crippling you? Like Dewey. <laughs> we get back to uh, the party, so everybody's left except the stragglers, and um, Randy's done his rules, and then they got a phone call saying that the, the phones is hanging from the goalposts and the school, so they all jump in their motors. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they all they all disappear, which again that's the plot point I was saying about earlier on, how they get all the hangers on out of the party, so there's it's only main characters that's left to kill. And that's the only kind of reason why teacher was killed, I think. So See, that if, that it was, if it was a real party, you couldn't just get the main ones to stay. There's always that one guy, probably the Euros, that just hangs out there. Even when you're not one of the main guys, you're oh, like, one of the main guys. So <laughs> <laughs> always leave, and you'd just be there, just in your velvet smoking jacket. <laughs> what? what? No, no, you, you've got to go. Hey, what's going with the main ones? Main ones for what? I'd probably be pretty jarred. I'd like to get to be I'm glad I went to work, look at my teacher hanging for the for the locals. Um, so we see on uh, Gil Weathers' um, we delayed camera in the van that the killer walks behind Randy. But the killer doesn't kill Randy. Now, I've got two possible options for why this is. One, this is Stu in costume and he's actually friends with Randy because they're kind of friends, even though they slag each other, but they're actually seems as if they've maybe been lifelong friends yeah. growing up. So he doesn't kill him because you think that Billy would have killed him because he's, he's been like saying, oh, you're Billy's the killer, he's crazy psycho, he's been saying that all the way through. You think Billy, blah, fuck you. Or, were they wanting him to be framed slash red hair? Were they wanting him to seem as if he was a suspect? That's why they left him alive. In the next scene as well, when Sydney finds Randy, I'm going to say Jamie, that's that. Yeah. And Sydney finds Randy and Stu. Yeah, they, they both do a kind of feel back and forth. It's him. 
But you couldn't have, you couldn't have thought that that would have, that that would have been a writer setting that up. But you couldn't have thought the character would have think that that would have happened. I think it, I think it was Stu in the um, Palace of Life. Yeah, I think so. I get that. Um, so that's when he was upstairs and fake kills Billy after he's banged Sydney. And I think that fooled the audience at the first time. I can't remember if it fooled me watching it the first time round. But I watched Scream Two first, so when that I watched Scream One, I, I, I knew Billy Loomis was the killer. Right. So although I didn't know much else about it, I seen that I went, alright, I know he's the killer straight away. So right. I think it would have fooled me if I hadn't known that. I'm pretty sure it would have got me if I'd have watched enough of the movie and maintain a plot. Every <laughs> <laughs> three minutes. Yeah. So this is when you find out there's two killers because after that scene where it's Ryan and Stu versus each other outside and then she shuts the door and turns around and Billy comes back down the stairs and she still thinks he's going to stab um, and he gets to the door and opens it and Randy's outside and Randy comes in. Stu's disappeared. Like, Stu's went mental. She takes the gun off, said, and he turns around and we all go a little crazy sometimes. And then uh, quotes Norman Bates from Psycho, mm-hmm. take a drink, and then shoots Randy. And then this is when... We find out Billy's the killer, and then about a couple of minutes later, we find out that Stu's in the kitchen and he's also the killer. He's from the back door. I have fast forwarded through the end of this movie when I was watching it this morning because I was running out of time, and it's actually like two hours long. Like, yeah. It's one of the only downfalls I think of it. The whole party seems great, but just the end 20 minutes or so just stretch out a bit too long. But we do find out that they've got it all planned that they're going to blame the movies, they've got to blame what else are they blaming? Peer pressure, and then they stab each other. To try and say as if the killer did get him to try to frame Sidney's dad. So they got locked up in the cupboard. So it's a fucking lot happening. There's <laughs> a lot happening. Yes. And two young laddies be like, tie up a da. That's. <laughs> that depends how angry they are. I think I went to Ryder's like, I think they tie up a Because they're supposed to be like 18 at the most because they're high school. High school. Hey, they might be a watch when you're like four. I don't know, I, I think that there's there's scenes in Scream 2 that we'll get to that I've got the same questions. <laughs> um, so this is how uh, they, 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 uh, they stab him and that, he's like, uh, I'm feeling a little woozy here. Is that good? Is that me like Sylvester Stallone? It was a bit nice for us. Did you really call the cops? My pants are going to be so bad. <laughs> he gets a few good lines in this, this ending, but... Then she's in the phone because she takes the she dresses up as a killer. She's quite quick witted, Sydney. She takes a knife, takes the takes a gun, takes the voice changer and calls them and flips it on the head, flips it back at them. And then she calls uh, Billy a pussy ass mama's boy, which is a clue of a setup for the sequel. Yeah, and then and then Stu comes back like for his final scare and comes running in and she pushes the telly over onto his head, which is Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Wars yep. kind of reference to there. I love Stu answers the phone and he just goes there. Hello? It's <laughs> <laughs> like bleeding out. Yeah. Do you think Stu's dead? Yeah. But you never see him dead. And now you can survive a TV and push your head. I think so. That's like it's, an old, that's an old small, 90s tube TV. As well. Like that's a tube TV in there, there's cathode rays in there, you're breathing in that, those chemicals, you're, I don't think you're going to survive mm, that. There's cathodes. Cathodes. <laughs> Either that or superpowers, surely. Yeah, well. That's one of the TV um, yeah, I think I skipped over the part when Dewey gets stabbed at some point as well because he's lying at the thing and that's when he gets injured but doesn't die. Because he's pr- just set it up to get stabbed. Set up for just, a trope, doesn't it? Just get me right in the leg. Just set my wee nerve. Coming to the left side. Right. Not too deep. To, you know um, we So, uh, I've got nothing else apart from my final summation if you have any more notes. No. 
right? Well, I've got um, Scream, so fucking good, redefined the genre, all done with blood effects, soundtrack, and camera shots, plus a really great script, great actors, and very close to perfection, if not just a little bit too long. So I gave it nine and a half boob flashes, hidden boob flashes at ten. It's probably the movie that got me into everything horror. It made me want to go back and watch Halloween, want to find out who Wes Carpenter was, who Wes Damon was, who John Carpenter was. It made me actually go and research all of that shit and then love the genre to the point that I'm now doing this. And although I prefer Scream 2, which we'll get into, this will always still be in my top maybe 30 movies of all time and I fucking love it but I'm going to give it a 9 I'm going to give it the point five. Still pretty good, still pretty yeah. high uh, Like I said, it's, uh, it's a film that got me in it all made me realise it and after like 3 attempts of watching it I still like it, I still go back I find it fun, which uh-huh. is weird for the, something like this something I don't need to watch intently but also find fun so I, I'm going to break the trend and get 10 Yay! Oh no, it means you've got to give Scream 2 at 11. Well, it depends if you like Scream 2 better or not. Like I don't really like Scream 2 better, so you're going to need to give it an 11. And we're going to find out when we give Scream 2 as we get through it. But we'll take a short break just now and uh, we'll be back. So in 1977, 1977, no, no. <laughs> so in 1997, uh, Wes Craven brought out the sequel to Scream, aptly named Scream 2, this is my favourite, so I don't want to hear anything bad against it. Do you want to know the, uh, the case blog that I've got, the, the Blu-ray I've got? The original was scary, Scream 2 is scarier still. <laughs> So it's like it was written by that guy in IMDb last week. <laughs> this is the one that I got on pirate copy. Still have. Fucking love everything about this. So what are your best bits? Or would you, how do you want to do it? I'll give a wee kind of my own synopsis. Uh, basically, Scream 2 is Gail Weathers has wrote a book that details the original murders from Scream 1. They have made a movie called Stab. And it starts off that Stab's getting premiered, and that's where we start off with Jada Pinkett Smith, the first black people in the Scream franchise, I believe, um, coming in Scream 2. Uh, and they are very meta again, talking about horror movies, talking about everything because they're on a date. The boy wants to see Stab, and she wants to go and see something else. Sandra Bullock, I'm thinking. Um, very meta again, and also very topical in 2018 because it's very kind of racial tensions as well they discuss yeah. as they go through it. But also, Jada Pinkett's shite in this. But She's quite annoying. She's quite annoyed. She's annoying. Her acting's not bad though. I got my man. man. I, it's for your man. Aye, but they're playing the stereotypical... The... The... Stereotypical. cinema goer. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair to remind us of still late 90s. Institutionalised racism was still a thing. So, they still had the... The, the, the black girl whooping and hollering at the, the screen. So they also should still get away with saying that it's meta and everything that happens in this to do with that is because they knew that 
that was the stereotype when they were playing up on it. And then you, you also get the, the parody again in Scary Movie 2, and I can't pronounce it, Shake and Spear! Which is on the phone. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't remember any of those bits. So, so Stephen, uh, so Stephen Stab's playing the, in the cinema and they go to see Stab. They're getting free merchandise when they walk in. They're getting ghost face masks and they're getting wee glowed up knives. Like, I'd love free Stab merchandise, but can I just say that, see that cinema screen they go to? That is literally the most horrific thing about this movie. That cinema screen would kill me. Like, Gonny, I'll shut the fuck up so I can watch this film. I hate a loud cinema. There's just people throwing popcorn at one man. <laughs> it seems unorganised. They're just all jumping about, like, trying to stab each other fake knives, and then they've rigged up a screen, like, masks fly over the top of the cinema and that. Yeah, is that not more like, if you're ready to watch it 25 years later, as a talk screen? Yeah. You, you'd be doing that, you'd all be dressed as the characters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a bit daft. Still in the movies, brilliant shot. The, um, so obviously, they're watching it, in the, in the cinema, but it's also playing stab at that, which is recreating the Drew Barrymore scene, which is pretty cool because they obviously must have, like, they got Heather Graham in to play Drew Barrymore uh-huh. and they've recreated it on the screen uh, and caught some of the lines as well, which is strange because how did Gail Weathers know exactly what the people said the first mm-hmm. time around? But anyway, that's a part we'll look over. Strange bit, I thought, is that she puts the popcorn on and then tries the end of the shower. Yeah. Why would you put the popcorn on? <laughs> it takes like, what, three minutes off? <laughs> not putting that popcorn and then jump out there for a quick shower, get fully dried, and then coming back to the stereo with that popcorn. <laughs> is Scream maybe all a Gail Wells movie? And Scream's a movie and a movie? Yeah, well, to be honest, when you get to Scream 2 and 3, you see less of Neve Campbell and a lot more of Courtney Cox and Dewey. This was my notes for the third one, is is this a Dewey film? Yeah. Is this Dewey's film? Is Dewey stealing the show here? Dewey steals the show in murder movies. <laughs> I can't wait to get to that point. This, in this movie, this is when we get introduced more to Cotton Beery, who we got a little bit of screen time for in the first movie. She, he was the guy who suddenly falsely accused of murdering her mum because he was banging her mum and she couldn't she thought, well, she thought, she'd seen somebody leave in his jacket, but the jacket was covered in blood, but it was obviously framed because he left in the house after he banged her mum and left. Um, so we get to him, he's played by Leif Schreiber, is that how you pronounce his name? Leif Schreiber. How famous was he at this point? Because he's not very, I think this is what made him famous. See, in screen, he in screen one, uh-huh. but only on the a new, Yeah, the news footage of him being arrested. Because I was like, that's Sabretooth, man, yeah. he should be more famous. Probably. I know, I think that... He'd done stuff before this, but uh, he wasn't a big actor, even after Scream 2 and 3, I don't think he was no, a big actor. No, it took a while to get, and what's the TV show he got as well? Uh, Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan, But he was the dad in the Omen remake as well, mm. and I think by that point he was quite a prolific actor, yeah. but I don't know what he's done between that. But he's fantastic. Oh yeah. I really like him, I think he's a, he's a cracking actor in Scream 2. So obviously Neve Campbell comes back in and I was like, she's such a sexy voice, but she's never really sexy, you know? It's like if you ask her to do to be sexy, she straight down. No, I disagree. I think she's always like the girl next door. But the girl next door that's got issues, but you want to explore those issues. Like, you want to know why she's dark and when like her mum dies. <laughs> <laughs> I know why I talk sexy over the phone. Just had enough of that. <laughs> um, they're obviously like colleagues this time. They grew up a bit. They went to college and uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's in one of the classes and she is sucking, sucking. She is fucking <laughs> so fine. That was um, my first note was forgot Sarah Michelle Gellar's yeah. in this. What a fantastic surprise that is. <laughs> and also Timothy Oliphant's in this movie as well and he is also so fine. <laughs> like, see, you ever watched Timothy's yes. movie um, Perfect Getaway? Yeah. 
he's, he's tap off and he stands he's got such a fucking straight posture and he just he's oh man he's perfection you know there's a there's a, a running theme in this podcast that it's just Scott wanting to see guys with a tap I can appreciate the male form I enjoy it six pack abs yeah to be honest flat pecs uh, is Sarah Michelle Gellar basically plays with Drew Barrymore in this being left alone no like a like kind of standout star that you expect to last the whole movie and she gets yeah. wiped out. I know she gets wiped out like halfway through it, but she's not got a lot of screen time. She's not got a whole lot of screen time. But what is she, how big was she though? I know Buffy was big, but that's TV big. She didn't get movie big until I think it was still, she's still the lassie from Buffy. Buffy was big, big. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love that. She's a massive Buffy fan. She was she's in the grudge. She was in the grudge. She was still, oh, I see Michelle Gellar. Yeah. I think Buffy transcends TV big and movie big. Buffy was Buffy. Yeah. So she was still way more popular than a character and her role would usually be in a movie like this to only last the length of time she did. And then she married Freddie Prince Jr. and the two of them went and had a happy relationship and they've got happy kids and they're still in a happy marriage and they just don't need to be on telly anymore and I, can't, I don't get to see her <laughs> on their screens and it's just shit. I want to see their kids because they will be sexy, sexy jokes. Sometimes you get that, but I think it's just your luck because you can have two ugly folk that make cookies seemingly out of Gabriel's parents. But I'm getting ugly trolls, man. How would they be tagging me when that's done? Yeah, it's all the mysteries as well, those kids. They've got those primes to be their jeans. So, this, that, yeah, and this, because obviously they're at film theory, um, and that's the class they take, which is really is. Does, how's that class? Like, that sounds just, like that like looks like a laugh, man. Aye. Do you sit and talk about movies? Aye. Discussing like oh what about this one? Oh what about that one? And the dream. I, I think if you got to film studies in college and one of classes you were still about oh what movie had a better sequel, what have you been doing the rest of the time? <laughs> like what are the rest of the film studies about if you're only getting to that point there? And also when you when you that's setting you. Obviously, <laughs> obviously when you get to the end of that class and the teacher the teacher goes, right, we'll pick up this sequel chat tomorrow. Like, there's more, is <laughs> But it's always it's obviously again very self-referential and very self-aware because they're talking about sequels and it's the in itself as a sequel and they're saying how sequels suck and they're not as good or they they have to go bigger and harder than the the first one, all this kind of obvious meta stuff, which Screen is known for, and they do it again, they do it really, really well. Mm-hmm. It's well written and it's it's uh, well put together. Uh, but there's one thing that does annoy me is the fact that, obviously, oh, uh, Josh Jackson's in here as well, but he wasn't mega famous in my show. Dawson's Creek was probably yeah. at this time, uh, but I think they just gave him just, just get him a few lines in. Because uh, he didn't even get killed, does he? No. No. Uh, anyway, so. Um, so then he has a back and forth with Randy in which they say, talk about aliens in a good sequel. And they, they say, um, stay away from me, you bitch. And Randy goes, I believe the line is, get away from me, you bitch. This is film class, right? But whatever way they do it, they do it wrong. And Randy says the line wrong. Joshua Jackson says the line right. But it was written in the script that Joshua Jackson was supposed to say it the other way around. But he, he messed up and Randy was just too quick and said the opposite line and said it back. And they never either they never noticed it at the time or they never back changed it. But it's actually... Pacey oh, says the, the line right, and Randy gets it wrong, which sullies his character a bit for me. Because he doesn't actually... Because he should get that right. Every bit of this is my notes are more Randy the better, every scene with him in is a blessing. <laughs> yeah. I quite enjoy him. 100%. And he really puts on his accents as well, and she says it's happening again. It's not. A lot of people get killed at the movies, people get shot, stabbed, mind. Yeah, that down, man. Ah, <laughs> wasn't that good. Um, we meet uh, Sid's new boyfriend. Yep. Who is... 
little fat eh, frog stuff. Yeah, <laughs> see, I found that out. I didn't know that for for ages, and then I found out that that's who that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jerry O'Connor. Jerry O'Connor, yeah. I was like, oh, brilliant. And do you know what his brother was in? Batman? Nope, he was the bully and dude was my car. Hmm. He's got an identical twin brother. Oh, right. I don't know what his name is. O'Connor, obviously. Oh, I was thinking he Chris O'Donnell when I said Batman. That <laughs> <I> was wrong. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> You're wrong because it's a totally different person. That's Chris O'Donnell, really guy for the IT crowd. That's Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> um, so we meet the sorority sisters, okay, so uh, Sydney's got a black friend in this one who wants to join a sorority and uh, Sydney's just too cool for school or just not interested, she's like, I'm not joining it, basically. But the sorority sisters are awful, with awful eyebrows, but what yeah. I didn't realise until the credits comes up is one of them is Portia de Rossi is. from Ali Bale, Ellen DeGeneres' girlfriend. Is it? Yeah. I thought Ellen DeGeneres' girlfriend was like fucking like 10 years older than Ellen DeGeneres. No, her girlfriend's Portia de Rossi, but I thought Portia de Rossi was a lot older than being able to, to be that age in Spain. That's so, fine. That's there you go. Um, but they annoy the fuck at me, but they do talk about blowjobs at one point. I've got notes for that and I'll get to it when I get there, because everybody loves a blowjob. Apart from her, that's why she's with Ellen. Aye, fair enough. Well. <laughs> 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 uh, right, I've got a year, do we such a loser? But with the best theme song ever, yeah, I've talked about that, we've talked about Scream 1, and that is such the best theme song, <laughs> it really is good, and he's all there joining the as well, so it's so fucking good. Um, wait, 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 um, I, so I, I'm going through scene for scene, I, I get I'm caught up in doing that. So, it, then, it keeps coming back to bits of Stab, and Luke Wilson is playing Dewey, and yeah. Luke Wilson is playing Dewey. Better than Dewey played Dewey. Yeah, Dewey played Dewey. <laughs> Dewey. He's acting, is fucking awful. And yet still better than David Arquette, who's really trying his hardest. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, I'm, I'm at a same show girls kill scene. We'd, we'd talk that through. Yep. So, all the sorority sisters, I think she's in the, she's in the blowjob sorority as well, which is fucking sweet. <laughs> um, but they've all went to a party. So she's in the house herself. She says, I'm sober sister in case a drunk sister phones and needs a ride home. Now, they're all on campus, right? So you need to assume these houses aren't that far apart from each other. All right? Mm-hmm. You could walk. It's also somewhere in America, it looks like it's a nice night, it's dry, alright? It's always a nice that's, night. That's enough, yeah. Uh, that's enough what, for a good one. Do we that in the first one? What would be the point in being a sorority if one of these had to stay in the house? Well, I think that's, I think that the fact that she's doing that is a kind of contrast to the way people view sororities and stuff like that. And like, and for the houses where she's like, I'm, I'm the sensible one here. It's also possible for her to go to the party and not drink and then drive them home when they need to go. Because she says, in case somebody phones and needs a ride, it's not like she's if waiting you, to need the ride. If you had that full race to your cell, you maybe just die sat in the house and just strum it. In front of a mirror. If any of us were saying Michelle Gellar, that's what we'd do. So, yeah. so you, it's quite an annoying scene though, because obviously then Ghostface calls her and starts like winding her up the same way for the mimicking the first one. and. Um, talking about her boyfriend or whatever because I think her boyfriend's a bit of a douche and the rest of it in this movie and she uh, he starts to freak out thinking he's in the house or that he says something that he could, yeah, he could only have happened if he'd heard it physically uh, and then her sort of right sister comes home gives her a fight and then we realise oh no it's fine it's just her and then she leaves says better set the alarm and then that's when the phone's back says you better set the alarm and she goes oh my god the music hits now she gets to a point where she calls someone else, she calls one of her friends, and they're like, oh, just call campus security, it'll be something fucking about. Now, we know that scream happens. This is obviously in the vicinity of Woodsboro, mm-hmm. because 
Dewey's not at college, but he's still kicking about. Sydney has went to this college. It's nearby when the first murders happened. It is in the movies right now that this is happening. You need to be aware that this is obviously some kind of copycat. Two people have also already died, so it's not just somebody fucking about. This is actually happening again. That you would take it more seriously. The fact that then she phones her friend or whatever and says, or just calls campus security, it will be something messed about. You think, no, no, this is fucking pretty serious. What I'm going to do, oh, I'm going to go out in the street because I've seen it in the street and there's other houses close by. I could go to one of these houses. No, I'm going to phone campus security. But I've got my shitty cordless phone that when I get to the front door just cuts out. So I need to go back into the house to phone them. No, you just fuck off. See, if they're on campus, does that mean every other house there is a sorority? Yeah. So why are they not all partying together? Exactly. Party class, but I'm just looking at a window. And just, yeah, I. All the parties at everyone. What party will I go to today? Will I go to the blowjob party or will I go to the beer pong party? To be honest, I think I'd still be at the house at the end that was the sober one. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there hanging the wires around these parties. Um, so then uh, she gets chased about the house again and uh, she gets stabbed and thrown off the balcony. And, splat. Um, splat. And then it kicks into one of the great retune or like a good. Um, section of the tune because the soundtrack seemed to be fucking banging I, I, I couldn't find this song but it cuts in a bit it's like never said I was innocent do, 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 do. I don't know who it is but it's fucking good and it works really well in the movie oh yeah so that's when they, they get to see the talk about um, sororities and blowjobs they were trying to say they were not just into we're, we're into more than just blowjobs harmonica style's okay I never noticed it until I watched it this time I thought harmonica style and that's obviously when you use your lips up and down the shaft in it like, like <laughs> man would it put you off if they were humming a harmonica tune as they did it? Nope. What tune? Eh, uh, I don't know, blowing in the wind. Ah, <laughs> uh, I was blowing the wind. Um, so Randy dies in this. So Randy, who's our kind of connection to, well, what's his connection to his heart? <laughs> tell, tell it in a horror movie in the universe. Uh, he then dies in this, which is a surprise because you expect... The fact that he's given all the horror rules, you expect him to last the full trilogy. Because I assume at this point you knew there'd be a third one. I can't, I don't know. I what think the whole thing was outlined. Yeah, was right, no, yeah. But as the audience, because if Scream 2 came out a year after Scream, you're going to assume there's a third one. So when you're so watching it, you're just going to... Scream 3 was 99, wasn't it? It was all in the 90s. Is that right? Scream 3 was 2000. 2000. Yeah, 99, 2000. So you would be watching it going, right, Randy will definitely survive because Randy is the best character. Yeah. So his death, even though I said it the first time, it really shook me because I was like, oh, fuck. he was like the most likeable guy. The guy that you're kind of basing your whole following of the film on. Yeah. You don't really want him to die. And then he does it in quite a gruesome way, although they don't show you it, but just seeing him lying there covered in blood in the back of the van. Watching it when I was younger, I was like, Fucking hell, man. That's, uh, like, it got me, and it kind of got me in ways that it shouldn't have got that, me. That whole scene was well done when it's um, Randy, Dewey, and Gail all on phones. Like, Randy's on the phone to the killer, and they're trying to figure out somebody in the nearby. Because, again, because cell phones have only got like about what, a 50 feet radius or something. Basically, walking dogs. But they're trying to find him, and they're catching up with everybody who's got a phone, and obviously, it's nobody. The killer's got in the van and catches Randy off guard when he insults Billy. And that's why, again, it's a clue to it's his mum. If you look at it, it's all yeah. there right through it. But can I jump back a bit for before Randy's dead? There's a scene where he's sitting talking to Dewey. And again, he's, he's laying out the rules for the sequel. And he says a bunch of stuff. And he, um, this is when they turn around and see uh, a scene from Stab. It's on the telly. Uh-huh. And it's the scene uh, in the, the school. 
when Sydney meets uh, Billy in the hallway and it's exactly word for word again how does Gail know about the same yeah. but forget that and it's the scene where Billy says uh, like my mum left town or somewhere I know what it's like to uh, not your mum she goes your mum left town she's not lying in a grave somewhere and that again just makes us remember Billy's mum but if Billy's mum left town why is she like, this obsession with defending her son's legacy because she fucking walked out on him I never got that she she left because her, his dad was fucking Sydney's mum so she left, she left her she left her husband, she didn't leave Billy, but she was maybe the only option she had. But the I, I don't know why she left. <laughs> we're looking into like well, she's left and then she leaves Billy and Billy becomes a killer. She thinks that's her fault, but it's also Sydney's mum's fault. I think so no. Sydney blaming herself for losing it, she blames Sydney's mum. Uh, and Sydney and for killing Billy ultimately in, in the end as well. Probably maybe. Then also Randy mentioned Mrs. Boogies as well. Mm-hmm. At this point, which again alludes to Billy's mum, Jason's mum. Did you see the when you were watching the scene for the first time? If you remember, did you guess the killer or see not even the slightest? I can't remember if I did not, and because the it was a red hair, but it was also like hidden in plain sight with this with Billy's mum playing a different character, pretending to be this um, Veronica Corningstone. No, that's Veronica Corningstone is a Anchorman. Man. I was going to say. Veronica Salt, but I thought that was. Is Veronica Salt? What is her name? Because Veronica Salt. Veronica Salt's only one can the Right, so that is Veronica Salt. Veronica Salt. Right, okay. I said I thought Veronica Salt was actually the last if Willy Wonka. We've got so many references. That's amazing. Hey, if you listen to the rest Yeah, no, I didn't get it at all because, I mean, they didn't give you any reason to not believe that she was a journalist just trying to, you know, do the same thing. See, when I said about, the, about Randy's death, the first time I was saying when I was watching all these when I was younger, I was terrified and I kept on like flicking back and forth. I missed the whole Randy's death scene. <laughs> I bit, like flicked it back around and I was like, nah, I wonder what's happened. And then, like, I see like they say, oh, Randy's dead. I was like, what? <laughs> I was so gutted. Yeah. I was like, I should have watched that, I guess. <laughs> and, but I think it, it would have broke you. It probably would have. <laughs> I seen with, with Randy again when he's in uh, talking to Dewey before he gets killed he starts to play out the rules of the sequels again and he says and if you want your sequel to become a franchise never ever and he gets cut off so I don't know what he says or what he meant to say never ever kill your best guy and then very very, very 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 possibly eh? so. but no I never see it I did the Timothy Olyphant character we were watching it going there's something weird about him it's the hair it's the white sticks up <laughs> at the front and then just vanishes for most of the movie so I think it's actually as much as I love Scream 2, looking back at it now, it's quite cheap the way that they've just went, oh, he's a killer. He only appeared at the start and then he was away, so what has he really got to do with it? They should, this one, they should have just made it Billy's mum. Yeah. That was it. They shouldn't have tried the double killer thing. They, when Dewey and Gil Weathers are in the projection room, particularly with the VHSs and that, and the total fucking 90s lecture hall, <laughs> they are watching Gil's footage and then the other TV comes on and it's the murderers or whatever, so that's not my footage. And right there, you should be able to tell that Timothy Olyphant's killer because he's been walking about with a camera the whole movie. Aye, so that's almost okay. his, his footage. It's just like Matt trying to break it down because at the end of the day, Scream 2 is still a perfect film to me. <laughs> so I don't care. The, um, the, they play around a school play that's happening or a college play. And Sydney's trying to be an actress or whatever and the creepy drama teacher's saying, oh, no, you, you could really, you know, you could really be something. Coming back out. I think fucking hell, Harry Weinstein's still producing this movie as well. Yeah, he says. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I'd like to 3 with her mum. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He gets fucked five ways on Friday. As, <laughs> uh, the guy puts it. Because <laughs> uh, actually, I, until I watched Scream 2 again the other day, I forgot how much a slut they make. Since he's been to me, aye. She's actually a terrible person. She is. But no, she, it's not just a terrible person for banging her way around Hollywood. It's up to her. Aye, but she left Sydney in that in the house in the rain. Was Sydney born there? I don't think Sydney was born. Uh, I thought that was pre Yeah, it was, it was pre Sydney, yeah. No, but it can't be because if Sydney was then. Sydney's mum was banging the dad of the guy who's the killer on the third one, who's about the same age as Sydney. He must have been alive, and that's why he's raging because his dad was banging Sydney's mum instead of being with his mum. No, I think Sydney's mum banged his dad and then left him. Like, she was, I don't know half, I thought like, she gave him up for adoption. Is this in Scream 3? Aye. Aye, was that Sydney's half brother, which Aye. is like, just so a full on fucking disaster. So he's meant to be older than Sydney then? Aye, was, 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 was he a rape baby from Hollywood days? Aye, basically. And that's why he's not in Hollywood. Aye, excellent title for a movie. <laughs> <laughs> the rape baby from Hollywood days. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so back to this play that they're doing, Coyds. It's actually a play called Agamemnon. It's, it was, it's a trilogy of Greek tragedy plays. And it's um, it's about... Uh, do, you know, do you know your plays well? So. I do, actually. It's, it's David <laughs> Orestia. And it's a tragedy focusing around a single female heroine, Cassandra. And the Scream trilogy, obviously, as we know, is a tragedy focusing around the single female heroine, Sidney Prescott. The Orestia is about Cassandra's life after she's cursed by Apollo. And the Scream franchise is about Sidney's life after her mother's death, which can be considered a curse, if you will. As it sets in motion the tragic events in the entire series. But for Scream uh, 2, with this running theme of the play, uh, and the trilogy is Murder and Revenge. Clytemnestra kills Agamemnon for sacrificing their daughter and having an affair, and Orestes, their son, seeks revenge for his father's death and mother's affair by killing Clytemnestra, his mother. In the movie, Mrs. Loomis is seeking revenge from Sydney for the death of her son, who killed Sydney's mother for having an affair with his father. Climax of the film's familiar murder and revenge plays out on the set of the actual play where this tragedy would have happened. That was all off the top of your head. Yeah. Mad. Mad skills. Yeah, they. Didn't know you so much about the theatre. Yeah, yeah, yes. Well, I that was worse than watching Scream 3. They still kind of obviously discussed quite a lot through this. They, they try and put red herrings again through this movie again because that, you are supposed to kind of deduce who the killers are as you walk through it, which I think is crap because it's almost like cheating when it turns out to be Billy's mum because you're like, They've told you this character is a different person, so when they say, Oh, it's Billy's mum, because that's the first time Sydney lays eyes on her and she knows who he is, who she is straight away. But it's like, it's almost cheap, I think. But there are other two red hens, the two sorority girls, the blowjob girls, because they're annoying as fuck, and they're the worst red hens. You know, it's one of the parties or something, they run at the back door and they're just standing there. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh. I remember when I was like younger and I first got that one of those laptop around my home was like stay out of the internet chat rooms man somebody's gonna come away and get you apparently there's internet chat rooms for serial killers as well oh really? like that's this is with the with the oh that's right yeah he's yeah, his mum is an internet chat room for serial killers that could have happened at the start of the internet though because I was chatting chat, for chat rooms I, I remember going to chat rooms when we first got dial up internet and one time I sat and talked to a guy and I pretended I was I was uh, grew up in the seventies and that I remembered hedgehog flavor crisps. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a great chat with this guy about actually pretending he actually read these crisps. And then I had a chat with somebody who said like piss themselves wearing tights. I was like, alright. So who were you chatting to when you were pretending? I don't know, it was a chat room, it could have been anybody. So you were the pedo. <laughs> <laughs> so you I was were I was in a bed pedo. 
Ahmet'e ne çağırdım? Pretending that I grew up in Serbia. Okay. I I used to use the cyber sex all the time. I was a wee cyber. Like I was just cyber whore. I was just like fucking get my clothes off, pick the location, getting banged always. Got banged always. Right, here's my here's my note that we we vaguely discussed uh, in about screen one. There's a scene um, where Sydney's getting followed around with the Secret Service with uh-huh. her bodyguards, and then this the mass killer like battles the both of them. So I'm asking, which one is battling the Secret Service, the housewife or the 19 year old college kid? That's probably a good point. I've got or, the or the uh, veteran police officer. <laughs> Do with the with the nerve damage. I've got the uh, the my note here is those detectives are useless. Yeah, Maybe you're supposed to assume that he's been on the computer, but he's yeah. Because why? Why is he there? And how does he know? That means that other side of that wall. Yeah, but I think they could have had maybe um, like Mickey, like Tim the Elephant, just even his back, not not even letting us know because he could have just been like, ah, "What's happened?" Like he's yeah. if he goes to college, he could have been in the library, uh-huh. but then let us know that when we find out who the killers are, that that was a wee clever clue that's in there that you'd know once yeah. you know who the killers are, but they never done that. In the first one, when um, whenever something happens, you go, oh, it could be, or oh, maybe it's Billy, and then Billy comes through the window, and you don't really know there's two of them. And this one, whenever it goes down, nobody else is there to throw off your suspicion for, oh, well, definitely it definitely wasn't so and so. that's true. That's the difference. It's because it's because Billy's mum is physically there the whole time, pretending to be somebody else that we're not in on that joke. We don't know that that's who that is, and that's why it's a cheap reveal, I think. Yeah. But. Once you do learn it's his mum, it doesn't waste the movie in terms of a mm-hmm. great movie. When you do find out it's his mum, it's, it's, and if you say that the sequel was written kind of, or had it in his head from the start, it's right there from the very, very start of um, Scream 1. And it's Billy's mother, it's such an obvious twist from right to Drew Barrymore, when she's like, Jason, Jason, I've seen that movie 20 goddamn times! Yeah. It's like, right there, it's just the reverse Friday 13th. I think that, which is why Scream 2 is the best. Mm. Yeah. Uh, can I talk about at the end when they when they are actually fighting in the uh, stage at the play when we find out it's Billy's mum and when Gail's been shot? What play is it? Uh, Agamemnon. <laughs> it's the middle uh, the tragedy in the Greek. Yeah, so she gets she gets the better of Billy's mum gets behind the scenes and starts playing about all the uh, electrical things and setting the lightning and all that. Yeah, and she starts like cutting all the ropes and the things falling and stuff like that. Right now the stones fall. They're going to be fucking styrofoam bricks, but they make it sound like it's actual fucking breeze blocks falling off there. <laughs> they make the sound effects and she gets knocked down them. That's not going to be. Are those no holding things up though? There's no like weights that they're, hold they're, up. They're, yeah, yeah, they'll, yeah, be, yeah. they'll be sandbags, but when the set falls, that's not going to be real fucking stone ah, right that falls on our head. If that's just so unsafe, where's health and safety? Maybe there was no health and safety, and that's why they use real rocks. Also, skip to one of my favourite scenes is when he does the bit with Top Gun. Oh, yeah. One day, all of a sudden, I wake up, and just jumps <laughs> up on the table and does a bit of Wait, with his awful 90s fashion. What, <laughs> that, see that song? I've always loved that song for that scene and the lesson Jake yeah. cover. Uh, the lesson Jake cover was so fun. The, 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 the uh, soundtrack of Scream 2 is fucking amazing. It is. 
Uh, it's the host. All let's just go to the summary. Scream two <laughs> is the fucking tits. But you can't. Aye. No, you can't. Right. <laughs> I was just saying. No, when when she lays out how it happened, uh, when she says, and then you shot Mickey, but not before you got up one shot at you. I'm like, forensics will rip that part of sentence. <laughs> they know. They can tell you exactly where a bullet came from. They can tell you who shot it. And you'll be covered in gunpowder then. Like, and you can tell what gunpowder was fired first. And they can tell when somebody died, and if you died after him, you, she's no right to shot you. But then, that's not against the movie, that's just against the character being stick spuck. Yeah. Scream 2 is the best, and I give it a 10. Can I also say though, because they go up and they shoot uh, Billy's mum in the head to make sure she's dead. We need to, is that we, this, yeah, no, this, this episode is, a, is a, a, an extra long bumper episode, so <laughs> listen to it on a couple of commutes. You probably already, on your third day, listen to it is at this point anyway. Um, when they shoot her at close range in the head, her head would explode. Yeah. So, just saying that. <laughs> right, so uh, if, you want, if you want to just call it, call it uh, to the end here. It's a super strong sequel that knows is repeating the same pattern. Uh, stellar cast again, outstanding soundtrack. This is become when you watch them do it is what I would call my franchise and my age group and this is the broad I am I was even a bit too young for it but this is the franchise that I love I love 90s horror because of screen franchise and I give it eight low jibber sororities out of ten. I guess again it's not as good as the first one but the cast is fantastic. Even when I was watching it back I forgot how many great people were in it. I was like oh Terry Dalton mm-hmm. Jim O'Connell whatever. But like I said the first one holds strong on me so I'm gonna give it Six plot holes out of ten. Six! 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 Oh. Fuck off! Six! Does, it only, does the first one only resonate stronger with you because it was the first one you see? Aye. Right. Why does this one resonate so strong with you again? Because it was the first one I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way, it's always the best that works out the sequel. Uh, it's not, I. It's been too well, always be my favourite. Aye, because it's the first one I've seen. But I do think it's a more entertaining movie overall. It's less horror, and I think this is where this is at a point where the franchise starts to go into just pure comedy elements, mm. which you then get yeah. in three. But it still does it enough that you get wee wee scares, wee bits of gore, and it's fun. And we know every week I say this, I love fun movies, and I think even now watching them back, I still get way more enjoyment with Scream Two than I do with the original, which I still really enjoy the original. Seem to always be the best, so I give it a nine point five. Right, ten. Give that nine point five. I'm giving that the point five. Well, I'm giving that ten. Well, um, just <laughs> stop. Right, so we power through that, and uh, we'll take another wee short break, and we'll come back to finish off uh, where Scream ends, <laughs> because there's only three of them. Hi, all you teenage comet zombies. This is Kelly Maroney, and you're listening to Scott and Liam versus Evil. So we're back, and because this episode is. Eight times longer than our usual episode, and I don't have the attention span for that long episode. We're going to just power through Scream 3 and 4 because Scream 4 exists, Scott. Ugh. Wait, I don't really have that good notes, I don't think, because I watched Scream 2 and Scream 3 back to back after a two hour shift, so by this point I was like, I'm just willing for it to be finished. It took me two watches to watch Scream 3, yeah. I did put it on for like 26 minutes and then go on for a bit more and go to the pub <laughs> and then come back to the pub and watch the end of it kind of thing is that because David Arquette is still terrible acting? Uh, he's still in it but can I say this is this to me this is where this is the weakest of the of the trilogy it's not the weakest of Scream entries because 4 and the TV show exists but it is the weakest of the trilogy I don't know how you can say that after watching Scream 4 this is 
way worse than Scream Four. I don't really, I've only really watched Scream Four like once, and I think it's, I think it's missed me because <clears> I'm now too old for the characters. Scream Four. Should we just jump between Scream Three and Four? Scream Four. All right, it's a bit cheap in the way it's done, but Scream Four is still a decent slasher film. If you think about it, in the grand scheme of slasher films that came out kind of 2010 to now, it's still a decent slasher. Scream 3 was just out and out comedy that didn't work. Scream 3 and Scream 4 are technically very similar in the way that Sidney Prescott is only in them like small amounts, isn't it? Dewey is the main character in this. Yeah. Dewey Gale, the main character in Scream 3. Aye, aye, definitely. And he's quite badass in this as well. He's kind of stepped up his. Like, you can tell, like, if Gail's character's walked out in the past, he's kind of, like, a bit more thick-skinned. Because they've, they've broke up at this point, haven't they? And they're kind of rekindling a wee bit, yeah. but, yeah, he's pissed off her. And, but he's also working as a technical advisor in Hollywood, <laughs> which is... How the fuck did he get yeah, that job? That, that's the next step for a fucking local... Oh, because, local it's because they're making a film and he knows, obviously, <laughs> he was there. Twice. Twice. But I just... I think it's so... It's still, Joy, it's still a fun movie because I watched it when I was younger. I still have fond memories of it. So I'll never say it's bad, but in comparing it to Scream 1 and 2, and actually 4, it's not a good movie. No. Can I, can I, I've got a couple of things, reasons why I think it falls down here. Mainly, it's the voice changer. Right? Yeah. You can change what it, but that, that really? doesn't exist. You that's cannot change... That's first note is, the killer can mimic everybody's voice, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, because imagine you, just imagine you can have a, a voice changer that can like copy or take samples of like my voice or your voice, so then I can speak through it and sound like you. I would then need to perfectly imitate your mannerisms and the way you yeah. speak for it to be believable. You know what I mean? You don't get to do that. Well, there is a few times when they're on the phone and you know that, when it, I think it's when the killer calls Dewey with Sydney's voice and you can tell that it's not Sydney because she's just buying things up on him immediately. It's quite and, distant. Ah, you can tell that there's no connection there between them. Right, I never noticed that, but maybe that's worth going back. And... No, but there's still bits of the changer that, if I'm taking bits that you've said and using a voice changer, I can only use the words that you've said so yeah. if you've never said the word kettle, I kind of phone something up and go, uh, it's Scott, where's my kettle? But they're making up just fucking sentences that yeah. nobody would ever have how, said. How much do you need to listen to me speak before this machine can replicate my entire yeah. voice? It's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It, it takes it to like a sci-fi level that the yeah. screen did not need to get taken to. Um, there is, but Sydney is still in this movie for, like, you know, a wee bit. Uh, she's not a full-on feminist and a full woman power, and she's a strong female lead since 96, man. Badass. She's still a full-on badass. She's still getting her tits covered the whole way through. Doing I admire her. Jane Silent Bob <laughs> making appearance. I, what is that about? Like, I love Jane Silent Bob, but... Did I miss this? You must have missed this. Jane Silent Bob. You see... They drive see by the stars and it's like... Oh, that's just so pointless then, isn't it? And as uh, the car goes by, and they're just there, and it's uh, something like, oh... That's like Gail Wells TV. But they can say her name wrong, they call her something else. And then there's like a, an emotion towards her. It's so, it is so cheap and it's just like, why why do it? And I think mm-hmm. it's because that writer was nothing yeah. to do with this. Um, they sacked it for the full script. Yeah, Jenny McCarthy's in this. She was banging Jim Carrey at one point. Yeah. And I got her mistaken with uh, Jenny from the Scotland. <laughs> What's her name? Jenny. Jenny. Lindsay Hasty. It's not. It's, it's, she's a presenter. She's a blonde presenter oh, from Scotland. Jenny. Uh, uh, it's like a Scottish name. McDonald's? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I get it mixed up. 
No, I get them mixed up, and, uh, and I thought that it was Elastic Scotland. It was uh, buying Jim Carrey, but obviously it wasn't Jim Carrey. But, uh, yeah, there was... So, see the scenes, uh, Dewey and Gail struggling to kind of mend the relationship where Courtney Cox and David Arquette struggling here in real life or I'm did that happen later? I'm sure that was kind of like a parallel to what yeah. Yeah. Because they couldn't get pregnant that right? I think it was more Courtney Cox realised she was married to somebody that couldn't act. <laughs> she was raging about it. Is David Arquette from like, the Arquette family? The Arquette family yeah. like yeah. Acting dynasty. Yeah, acting dynasty. It's the only reason he still gets a job. His sister is way better at acting. And even she was shy. Wait, wait, one. The one for Nightmare on Elm Street was shy. Patricia? Aye. It's Patricia I like. Who's Rosanna? She was in something as well. She was in like... Rosanna was in True Romance. Uh, True Romance, yeah. And Pulp Fiction. See, when I was watching this, I couldn't remember who the killers were. So I was watching it almost like a first time. And I was actually, I've literally tried to deduce it all the way through. And I don't think that um, I got it right. And it makes any sense either. Uh, to be honest, the, the, mm-hmm. the actual killer is such a fucking background character throughout the entire film. Did you ever watch Scrubs? Uh-huh. He's like, nobody cares, Sean. And that was like my reaction to finding out he was the killer. <laughs> it's just JD going, nobody cares, Sean. <laughs> it was just, he's in it. And even as they reveal him, That's the whole movie he's been wearing glasses. Yeah. And as they reveal him, he's getting his glasses off. You don't actually know who it is. You're like, oh, like, hey, shit, it's that guy. But see, because they kill him as well. The yeah. fake kill him. Like, that just does my nothing because it's fake, it's cheap. But there's so many daft scenes in it. You remember, that, remember the scene with the fax machine? And you keep running out of the house to read the fax machine. Pish. <laughs> and then you say something like, can you smell the gas? I'm like, fuck off, man. Absolute fuck off. Just leave it. Just I leave the house. I actually thought that was a really creative kill, but it was... It was... Uh, it's why forced, would you go back to yeah. Patrick Warburton, also in it. Winner um, of the bed club. The, not that guy, but... <laughs> he does the voice for... Uh, Joe. Joe yeah, yeah. Guy. Get better. <laughs> wow. he, says, Patrick, he says something terrible about um, Tatum in this movie but I didn't write down what it was I've got uh, the voice of Joe and Family Guy is like a lightless bouncer in this movie they obviously get some lines because he then says uh, I can't get invest in this, this one the same and I can't believe Family Guy Joe just said that about Tatum he's got some narrow glasses <laughs> as well like they just cover his eyes I, I can't remember what he said about oh, I say something I don't know he he's on the point of doing and he says something about I'll kill you the way I killed your sister or something like that Oh, maybe it was the Family Guy Joe that said that then. Yeah, but it's the killer using his voice. Oh, that's what it is. That's it. Got you. Uh, Again, a fucking machine that doesn't exist and can't exist. Shite. So I've got, I saw, I go, okay, my theory for the killer was wrong. How about the director to draw publicity? But then obviously I changed that because they they, they kill him. And then fucking Patrick Dempsey's in this movie as well. I was like, it's just, it's, it's quite shit, isn't it? I, I had fond memories of it until watching it again. I'm like, Carrie Fisher as well. Oh, yeah. Sexy Carrie Fisher, isn't this? And she's talking about how she could have been Leia if she just slept with George Lucas. I think that was implying that she actually did bang Lucas. Um, Aye, but she banged Harrison Ford, didn't she? Aye. Bang me had a relationship from him. Um, She was married to Paul Simon. I didn't know that until she died. um, She was quite badass, Carrie Fisher, wasn't she? But that that same uh, line about how she could have been Leia if she banged George Lucas is like, it's not the right kind of matter. Yeah, it's, just, it's strange yeah. because then if everything else is talking about movies is true, then why throw in some fake matter? I, I, did she bind George Lucas to get the role of Leia? Was that her revealing it? No. Find out Leia. Randy's back in this movie in the form right. of a posthumous tape that he taped before he died. So obviously he, he, he knew he was going to die yeah. apparently. Now he says he sets up the rules for a trilogy. 
um, showing that this is the end one to conclude the story. So why the fuck did they make four? I'm pretty sure that they probably addressed that in four. Yeah, they, 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 they kind of do. Like, a four is revisiting the franchise to, to basically breathe new life into it. And it's good to visit characters again. It's yeah. good to see what Dewey and Gail are up to. And if Dewey's still at the camera, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I don't even know. And don't get me started on the TV show because that's definitely not canon. The TV show, I'm not even saying I don't agree. But that isn't canon, is it? They don't, or it's it's not to do with Sydney and doing that. It's completely different. I, I think believe. it's more that it's roughly based on the same kind of premise. I don't think it's not getting anything to do with the characters. And the Ghostface isn't even the real Ghostface. It looks like yeah, a yeah. Legion for a dwarf. You ever seen the episode? Yeah. Big guy's got a big blowjob mouth. There's a lot of blowjobs in this episode. They talk about a lot of movies and actors, but they don't ever mention Scream or the Scream franchise in the TV series, which I think is a bit weird. Just be a different name and kind of portray it as the team push that it actually is. You know, they found the mask in a location scout. Oh, really? They were doing a location scout one. That's how they came across the actual World Space mask in the very first one. But then a location scout looking at houses in the area that were filming in. They found the mask from the house. What would that mask be? Well, why, how did you find it? I think it was a generic ghost face mask uh-huh. before it was the Scream uh-huh. mask. They called it, it was called Father Death. But it's, it is, it's the Scream. It's uh-huh. Munchie's the Scream, that's what it's that's based I mean, on. But the fact that it existed before that is quite yeah. strange because it's not a ghost. Um, <laughs> do you know what one, one of the things I do like about Scream 3 is because obviously they're on the set of Stab 2 or whatever it's supposed to be, they walk out onto a replica of Woodsboro and you get um, Stu's house and her house and it's all set. Like, yeah. and it looked, how cool would that be like to go back to like where you grew up and it's like a, a replica of where you live? It's weird though because they're filming Stab, what, 3? Stab 2, Why have they built the houses for Stab 1? I don't know. Also, why is Stab 3... How is there a Stab 3 if there's a Fantastic Scream 3? There wouldn't be a Stab that They're then making. They do say that Gail dies in Stab 3. Uh, she's walking around the replica room and she's remembering like the line she said. She said, would you set up for a PG-13 when she flashes her boobs but doesn't actually flash her <laughs> boobs? I mean, how can she remember exactly what she said to her high school boyfriend when she's like 25 or something like that? Can you remember what you said to yours? I thought I said to me, like, yeah, wank off my willy or something. <laughs> Please. <laughs> wank off my willy. Wank off my willy. That's, 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 that's why my notes for the first, for the screen one is remember how many beg for sex. That's not right. I just thought you said there, wank off my willy or something like that. Is like, this... if you're giving her a choice, well, you could wank me off or something like that. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, it. Um, see, like, you get loads of different callbacks as well. I think the, the, the We'll Be Right Back was a sentence that somebody said as a callback as well. And but I also think it's very meta again and very current and topical when they're discussing Sydney's mum being a like banging folk to get parts right. in Hollywood because of the whole Weinstein stuff. It's Scream. Oh, in fact, Scream sees Miramax as well. So he obviously must have sat there and just thought, yeah, I've forced people to suck my dick for figure parts and they're talking about it in this movie. Jake, maybe the director on that, that's like a pre-dig at Harvey Weinstein. It could be uh, anyone in his own movies. Yeah. But you think you would need to really, like, if it was going by a dig, you'd need to never let anyone know that you think that because if it got out, Weinstein would just cut out of the movie. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be in such a way that he doesn't I think there's any suspicion around the whole, the whole casting couch thing, I think, is bigger than Weinstein. I think it would be a lot more than doing, yeah. doing it. And I don't think that it wouldn't have been, You say it like he's like, kind of forced 
of these women I mean it's terrible what he's done for sure but see the minute you use the words you automatically in your head think that he's grabbing and forcing them down and forcefully banging them when I'm not saying that it was anything was consensual but maybe it, it should never have been done like have sex with me for a part because yeah. that's wrong even if then they said okay the part's worth it for me then to have sex with you but do you know what I mean I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying what you've done was justifiable in the slightest but you get an image of this horrible yeah. he is a horrible guy I'm trying, trying to pick my work safely you get this image of a guy like forcefully like raping the, people but the, it's not quite as probably as a it's worse though that if if you've then had sex with Harvey Weinstein for a part your entire life you will blame yourself because you've willingly done it yeah, because then you'll just shave your head and just bang it out on Twitter screaming at him. Was it then? What's she doing? I can't, I can't give this. Right, you can. No, I think she. I think she's do, doing very, very well. To be to be genuinely sincere, she's doing a lot of good stuff. For I was doing something in BBC yeah. last night, and I was in, I was watching it at the pub since I was there. She looked very impassioned. Yeah, she's, no, I, she's really. And even Asia Gentle has come yeah. out and just said basically to all I can that you were all at it. And we'll fucking find out. Brian De Palma is making a or writing a horror script just now. It's all about the Weinstein scandal, or like based on. And he says in it that there's a lot of other Hollywood celebrities that are part of this. Yeah. That it will come out quite soon. Well, because if they were only buying uh, young actresses, they were buying wee boys. Look, Corey Feldman, he banged loads of things. Yeah, I thought he always did. Because he's the one admit it. You've seen David Platt on Street, you know what he admit getting raped, but you know, eventually you need to. Stop referencing Coronation Street. Scream 4, so Scream 3, the killer then, as Sydney's stepbrother, who you have, like, it's such a stupid reveal because yeah. you, you're not expecting him because he's such a kind of background character, you don't care. So, Scream 4, I think the actual kill reveal of Scream 4 is well done. It's much like the original Scream where you didn't really expect it, but it makes sense. The killer, the killer in Scream 2 doesn't make sense because why is it a not Randy, Timothy Oliphant's character? Yeah. It's a kind of, I don't really believe that reveal. Scream 3, I don't believe it because who the fuck's this guy? Oh, he's Sydney's brother that nobody, nobody knows about. Don't believe it. Scream 4, they introduce new characters and it's a believable storyline. That's why Scream 4 is way better than Scream 3 and deserves to be included in the franchise. Scream 4 was the first one I seen in the cinema. Right. And uh, as a homage to Scream 2, I thought it would be funny to take my Scream kit and Scream mask and put it on in the cinema. So I had like a side bag with the Scream mask in it and I had the cape tucked into my jeans. And uh, when I got there, I kind of did. I put it on for a wee while, it was a bit funny and blah, blah. And uh, I get kind of faint sometimes with blood. So the final act in Scream 4, when the last is the killer, is trying to frame herself. Aye. She puts a knife towards her shoulder and runs into the wall. And she, you hear the noise, like a squelch as this knife is in. And I was like, oh my god, I can't do it. So I stood up and tried to like leave the cinema. And my, like, I didn't have the mask on, but I had the mask in my hand and I had like the full cape on. And I tried to leave this. This was at this Hamilton View, and I tried to leave, and then I fainted in the hallway of the Hamilton View. Essentially, in a full screen get up at screen four, and like one of the cinema attendants had to come and help me on my feet and like make. Sure. And do you know what? The guy was like, "Do you want to?" I was like, "Oh, sorry, I fainted before." 
I was like, can I get some like juice or something like that? And he was like, no worries, can you wear a fan for me? And he was like, I'll be three million pounds. <laughs> what? I was like, at no point did they ask why you were in a cave. I don't know why, he just kind of went with it. <laughs> I don't think they, they, I think it was like five minutes went past where I was lying in the ground where Nathan came out of <laughs> They were trying to like just remember the previous songs where, <laughs> no, maybe it's the bit where I'm in the car and I'm trying to climb out and scream too. That was just me lying in the floor. <laughs> if I'd been the center at that point, I think Scream 4 would be my favourite. Because that memory would have surpassed any memory I had for the previous yeah. films. I never uh, never seen the ending until about two years later as well. Because I missed the ending because I fainted. <laughs> <laughs> the ending was good, although as soon as you put Emma Roberts in a movie, you're instantly saying, by the way, this is a killer. Because she's a bad bitch in everything she's in. Mm, I don't really like her to be with her films, but um, Hayden Panettiere's in it as well. She was in it for domestic abuse. Yeah, yeah, the guy from American Horror Story. Yeah. Um, Hayden Panettiere's lying in it. I chatted her once on Facebook. No, MySpace, sorry. <laughs> 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 this is a true story. This is maybe just about Heroes Time. It was definitely after she was in Mark in the Middle. For some reason, I managed to find, and it's genuine people, uh, Zac Efron, Vanessa Hudgens, Hayden Panettiere and Shia Booth. And added them all on. Pretending, pretending that he was doing something. Yeah, no, honestly, honestly, this is just before they they all rocketed. Like I think High School Musical was it. So they, they really spoke to me. Except Hayden, she back to me one time. Uh, Shia LaBeouf's name on it was Ballin, and it was B A dollar sign dollar sign I N. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I'll leak it yourself, anyway. But um, she she put up like a post or something one day on MySpace saying, Oh, I hate all men, and I messaged her saying, Oh, we're not all that bad. <laughs> some cringy as fuck, some man and spoke back to her two or three times and then disappeared. And then they all deleted me. So, why did she. The agent's got like a. Yeah. <laughs> don't be talking like to This guy wasn't born on the show. Don't talk to Norbies, you know. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's true, so. And I, and I do genuinely believe it was the real, the real people, but. Uh, yeah. Scream uh, 4's got a very strong cast with her. Emma Roberts, there's him from Rosie, Brody, mm-hmm. he's oh, yeah. in it, there's the the black guy that's in loads of things in the 90s, like me, myself and Irene, and the kind of heavy boy. He's in Black, yeah, yeah, yeah. the TV series. Like that guy. Aye, he's in it. Her from The Good Place, it's actually a really born actress. Kirsten Bell. Kirsten Bell, oh, she's aye. in it. Anna Packin, Packin, whatever you say her name. It's such a good strong cast. That do you get boobs in Scream 4? Because I'm fact, definitely had a boobs out in Scream. Uh, you do not get boobs out in Scream 4. Fair enough, they, they stuck to their guns and that, and that's. Respect for that. The knife to the head in Scream 4 as well. I, I remember mean, watching that and I was like, whoa. Like, there's definitely in Scream 4, it's mere. And you get a lot more visuals. Aye. The, the, the kills are way more hard hitting. And like when you say, see on the shoulder, that. You can watch it now, it's cringy as fuck because you're like. Oh, that looked real. That looks really fucking good. I'm going to go back and watch Scream 4 again. I feel kind of left out. It's not bad. Talking about it, I don't remember anything about it. (laughs) The guy with the long hair as well. He was one of the Macaulay Culkin's wee brother. Ah, Kieran. Rory. Rory. He was, I think, he was really good in it. This guy, it was, was, he was new Randy, basically. Yeah. Ah, yeah, I I vaguely remember it. Yeah, I've seen it, but... I don't know why I, I wrote it. Maybe it's just because my box set only came with the three minutes, so it's like, oh, that'll be. So I'll just scream for over shit. Stick to the box set. Scream 3, I would give a. I give Scream 3 a 6, and it's only for fond nostalgic memories. It's not because it's a good memory. And Scream 4, I would give 8. 7.5. No, 8. Fuck it, 8. How'd you ask me 
maybe when I first said it, I probably rated Scream 3 higher because I was like, this is brilliant. Yeah. After watching it last night and jumping between it and back and in between, is it good? Is it actually good? It's not. I would, I would, <laughs> I would go as low as like a 3. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I've got, I mean, there's, there's a lot of kind of push parts in it, you know, like the whole that's Sydney's half brother thing. I think the storyline is a bit kind of far fetched in terms of the first two being relatively realistic. Um, I think that, you know, you get scenes where people are getting shot but they get bulletproof vests on but they're not winded or bruised. They're just like, I'm not cool, haha, we're the best. It's, you know, that <laughs> really isn't taking a lot in terms of the story in this one. And I believe it's a different writer, like we've been saying a couple yeah. of times, so that would kind of explain that. It's the weakest of the three, and the story definitely seems forced and extremes. Uh, there's no reason um, she shouldn't feel closure to leave the gate open at the end. What the fuck's that mean? Oh, aye. You know, at the end, at the start, she's <laughs> like at the, the, the gate with the fucking uh, alarm on it. At the end, she just leaves it open. There's no reason why she should feel that that's it finally finished, because, you know, it could happen again. Four, uh, four doesn't exist, but obviously we talked about four does exist. But it's a better of a franchise trilogy. It's, I mean, it, it, it's good. It works as a kind of three film if Scream 4 was Scream 3, it would be a brilliant trilogy. I'll give it 7 Shite McDreamies out of 10. Right, and what's Scream 4? I don't remember watching it, so I can't rate it, I'm afraid. But I enjoyed hearing you talk about it. <laughs> uh, like I enjoyed hearing you talk about that Greek play that you know so much about. Yeah. <laughs> Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, so we just... Yeah, that was quite a good episode. That was um, three movies in there, three, four movies in there, so um, cheers, Ross, for coming on. No worries. Um, if you've made it to this episode, listeners, then in one sitting, then brilliant to use. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah. By the time I edit this, it might be like three months for now. So, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of nonsense in between. There is. And we'll keep all of that in. So, do I come back on? Aye. I've been using it yeah. Come back on we'll just do we'll just do one movie next time though. <laughs> <laughs> when are we getting drunk and watching the commentary man? That little I'll laugh with Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> right, we've still to do it, we've still to organise a live stream, I think. Yeah, we'll get that um, up and running, I think. Um, live stream with you and Sandy and we'll just descend it. We're not doing it here. We'll just sing Bossy in the corner. Just me and Sandy in the corner singing Bossy to each other. It's like quietly hovering at each other. I've been to you three thousand. How much has changed? But like, what are you doing? It's a stag do. Stop singing Bossy. Nope. Uh, but yeah, we'll get going for a, a live stream. Excellent. And we'll be back next week with your pick. Yeah, pick. yeah, because this is a kind of jump over because this, this should be my pick this episode, but. So a special guest so next week will be my pick again so uh, as always I hope it's that Greek play yeah we kind of watch the movie for the movie was yeah. that as always you can find us online scotlandleanversusevil.com you can get us on facebook forward slash groups forward slash scotlandleanversusevil get us on twitter at scotlandleanversus and get us on instagram at scotlandleanversusevil and if you want to check out what Ross is doing he's on those things as well at Ross uh, I'm Ross Todd on facebook Ross Todd on facebook at rtex21 on twitter and he's quite funny and very banterous, so... Thanks. Uh, he's an ad. Stop him. <laughs> Stop him. Stop Like his pictures. Stop right. <laughs> We're out. Cool. Yes. <laughs>
Your one microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan Designed and directed by his red rag 